you are hearing this, you are receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Watch animated chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the letter F in your dictionary. And add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, baby. And here's your host, Derek McCaw. Thank you. This is Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of FanboyPlanet.com, and we are podcasting on a Thursday, Thursday. Uh, October 2nd, 2014. So as always, any news that breaks on Friday, October 3rd, this episode is not responsible for, even though you're listening to it probably on Friday or Saturday. But you know or what I like about us? after do- approximately 9 p.m. on Thursday night. That's yeah, true. I am. What I like about Thursday is we've had a chance to read the books that we're going to spotlight. I, I know. Which, which addresses some complaints I had from some users. Which is... And when I say complaints... Users? Some, some listeners. Some listeners. <laughs> they, and when I say complaints, I meant tauntings. Um, I don't know who's taunting you. I'll tell you later. You know who you are out there. Other Are these real oh. people or are these the voices in your head? Yes. yes. Do these people have jobs? Yes. Well... Hmm. Then, hmm. Well, because we're we're rushing they to do understand. a podcast, and but today voice, we're prepared. We're we, 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 we a few. So uh, yes, I should say because of this Thursday night uh, recording, we do have that opportunity. But first, I would like to voice check, name check our man in Los Angeles. I'm Dave Casa, and across. Literally hosting us again in the Brett Cave, Rick. Debbie Brett Schneider. Okay, no, I'm <laughs> no, sorry. Oh, Go no, ahead. No. Oh, I'm sorry. She's left the room. She's so tired of us. Uh, Rick uh, Brett Schneider. She was tired of us the moment I walked in. So She greeted you. <laughs> she did. She was very You nice. already had a beverage, so you were she, not offered one. Oh, yeah. You, she was tired of you then. <laughs> so, maybe. Maybe. I made her dinner tonight. All right, good. So, by the way, if you've gotten this far in the banter uh, and you're, you're listening to us on iTunes, you can rate us. You can uh, please subscribe. You can please tell your friends. You can also find us on the Stitcher app or find us at www.fanboyplanet.com where if you can't find something we talk about on this podcast at your local business because we believe in supporting local businesses, in particular brick-and-mortar stores, then you can use the Amazon link on the website. And if you feel so moved and you enjoy what you're listening to and feel that you want to give us a little money too, then there's a PayPal link that is also very helpful, very handy, and I know that it works because I dust it off every six months or so and say, you there? So I think you can donate Susan B. Anthony dollars. I just got rid of one. Like, when was the last time you actually... Got a Susan B. Anthony dollar and change. There's one on my desk right now. Yeah, yeah I need it. Sacagawea? Yep. Yeah. Sacagawea, Susan B. Anthony? No. Susan B. Sacagawea? Still an awkward coin that you just it don't is. know if you want to spend it. It's a lucky piece. And you don't even realize you get it. You've gotten it until it's too late, like you're counting and going, wait Actually, a minute. Actually, you used to you used to go buy postage in the machines in the post office. They gave you change with the... Uh, well, sure, because they were trying to get rid of them. <laughs> the machines at uh, Disneyland give you... Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Dollar coins. Uh, yeah. 
Those aren't machines. Having Those are people in to, costumes. Nate. Having been recently to the UK <laughs> and dealt with pound coins and oh, two pound coins, yes. they make so much sense. They do. Just like I love going to Canada and the loony. I like that it's called the loony. Yes. Yeah, but uh, just the, the the way the money money works makes so much more sense than it does over here. So, again, with the exchange rate about ninety eight more. Cents. I'm a proud American, but I can admit <laughs> where we're wrong. Then uh, you oh are man. not a proud American. No, I'm. Um, yeah. So uh, anyway, let's talk. We got some comics news. We got some movie news, and for a little something for the Twilight fans. Ooh. Good news tonight. God <laughs> help us, everyone. <laughs> Anyway, we're going to start with some comic news, which this weekend, of course, is the uh, New York Comic Con with a lot of exciting things happening, uh, including that apparently they're going to unveil Batman stamps. Speaking of going to the post office, getting postage, you can buy, because they are forever stamps, Batman, Batman forever, forever stamps. stamps. <laughs> yes! That's awesome. <laughs> so much. Well, this is so much better than the Marvel ones that came out a few years back because those were, what, 34-cent stamps that you could only use once or for one year because the next year was the year they started doing the forever stamps. I wish that the stamps actually... It doesn't look like the stamps acknowledge the artist because it looks like a Jim Lee Batman and then an Apero Batman... Uh, and then Dick Sprint or Sheldon Moldenoff and a and then, uh, uh, um, original guy um, Bob Kane. Bob Kane. Well, yes. it, but you're right. It could. It is quite possible it's not Bob Kane, but it's something somebody who was legally contracted to allow Bob Kane to sign it. Um, but yeah, so they look like really fun stamp. Uh, so when you say you use them once, I mean it's like Nate. I I, I they're, they're the kind of I always feel bad with these kinds of stamps. Like I want to buy the sheet and just hold it. Well, the, well sheet, yeah. the sheet itself is kind of cool because it's got the, it's got four different bat symbols too, and then mm-hmm. a, a Gotham cityscape there too. Yeah. So this yeah. is going to be a nice collector's block. Oh. Debbie used to collect spam, stamps. We used to get a packet every six months of everything they had released. Yeah, I collected as a small boy. I, once I got the Walt Disney stamp, that's all I wanted, so I stopped. Really, what I mean, could be better? Right. I'm done. That was it. I mean, yes. I, was in, I, was, I was in second grade. It was 1972. I'm they, looking for that in comics. They hadn't realized <laughs> what a cash cow stamps were going to become oh, right. at that point. Right, right, you know? right. So it was like, oh, we, we honored Walt Disney after his death. And so that was the one I wanted. And then I was like, oh, okay, got it. Have you seen the block of Doctor Who stamps I have on the wall? Uh, no. They, they got issued uh, last year, I think. I, uh, I, it's framed. No, I understand. I just didn't want to get lost in inside that. It was yeah. no, it's in the hallway. It's bigger and still. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, anyway, uh, but well, for everything that DC did right this week by allowing the U.S. Postal Service to do a nice set of Batman stamps. Well done, DC. Apparently, um, they licensed some T-shirts that they've had to recant. Ooh, unfortunate, DC. And in fact, so I mean, this is one of those things. You know that a story I- that either. <laughs> either Ebola and beheadings oh. <laughs> across the nation. What could be worse than the Ebola or beheadings? They're so boring that, that local news in California has finally gotten this T-shirt thing. So, yes, I walked in last night, watched the news was on, and this story was there, is that they released two T-shirts for women uh, licensed that said, I'm training to be Batman's wife. And then there was a picture of Superman planting a juicy kiss on Wonder Woman that says, Superman, score. score. Exclamation point, thumbs up. Was um, that one a women's shirt or a men's shirt? I think that was a man's shirt. Yeah. I think the Batman's training to be Batman's wife is probably a man's shirt, too. There was another one that says, I only date... <laughs> There's one that says, I want to be a superhero, and the other one that says, I, says, only, date, I only date That was Marvel. Yeah. Well, no, I, 
I think there's a DC one as well. And the thing is that one about I only date superheroes. Hot Topic's been selling that one for at least three or four years, oh, yeah. and sort of like when when the when Sam Wilson took over as Captain America before. At the time, nobody cared, and I and I don't mean to be dismissive and an anti and, and oh good lord no not anti-feminist about it at all. It's just it's it's interesting that suddenly people are getting upset about something right. that was you know it's been around and nobody was upset and now suddenly it's a hot button and I do understand why. And that's what I'm saying. I think if training to be Batman's wife had been uh, a man shirt, I would have bought that. I would have worn it because, you know, <laughs> let, let's face it. Let's face it. It would be an honor to be Batman's, Batman's wife, wife. Yeah, if you were a guy. Uh, it's like, go ahead. I'm totally. I would there. go for Batman's bro. I, yeah, well, sure. But if, if it, look, it's Batman. You're going to say no? No. He's going to spray you with the bat uh, an- bat Amnesia. anesthetic. You're going to get that spray can, and you're going to wake up, and you're in the bat cave, and uh, you know it's it's all right. Um, no, I'm sorry, I'm not advocating that. I just think I, I just think I totally get what the what the controversy is. It's like just like I get upset. I, I this is a thing that's bothered me for a long time. And Nate, you're going to have to confirm for me your ba- the baby clothes you have is like I love that there's Supergirl stuff, and you go to like Magic Mountain, you have the yeah. cape. Mm-hmm. But what I don't love is is that the cape is pink right. and a darker pink heart with the S symbol when Supergirl's cape is exactly the same as, as Superman's, Superman's cape. Right. And that there is this patronization. If you've gotten past what you uh, – I hope if no one's been offended by my, tra- by my willingness to be Batman's wife, you've gotten this far. And uh, I'm saying I don't like that patronization. And See, that's my th- problem with this is that I really think there are any number of – women out there who would want the t-shirt that says i'm training to be bad no no, i I agree with that too the the idea that they've done their marketing on the audience and and determined this will sell and you have people who say i'm offended by that you should not be selling that we're trying to make money here um and at the same time i went to the spirit store this afternoon with justin and we were just looking at all the costumes there are easily as many female superhero costumes available on the same rack as there are male superhero costumes and it's and and it goes beyond that because there's like there's like styling accessories like batman bustiers with bat symbols all over the okay okay right but see there i think rick you're missing that point there is is is, while there are many people that want to do it it's like uh are there the regular costumes that are not hypersexualized? Yes, there are. Okay. Yeah, there was Because a- I have seen like the hypersexual um Iron Man, which is like I'm torn. You know, it, it, <laughs> <laughs> it would be. <laughs> I would be. That repulsor ray would blast me in two. But I mean, that's uh, I have seen many costumes that should not have Indeed. been. And there know. was a sexy Robin costume and actually I have to I have to Take a sidestep from the yeah, I know, and you look great in it, and that's, that's uh, I walked there's in, Rick whole, was wearing the sexy Robin costume. There's a costume. whole line of Walking Dead stuff. I know, there's and a sexy... really cool. There's a six sexy uh, sheriff, whatever it is. Sexy name. Rick Grimes. Rick, no, Rick. It's, it's not sexy, it's saucy Rick Grimes is what it says. On, it's a, I have a picture of it if you want to see. No, um, I've seen it. I've looked because that's a year old. They actually released Saucy Rick, Rick Grimes last year. <laughs> like going, really? Is there a grimy have- Rick sauce? <laughs> yeah. Is what I would love. But what's cool about their their stuff is they actually had like the the um, chain with the neck um, clamp that you could buy, so you could walk around with two of your friends as your zombie uh, your zombie walker buddies. 
that's cool. Yeah, yeah. that's what you're going to do with and it. And they had, they had um, what's his name's hammer. So they had a plastic. Tyrese. Tyrese's, Tyrese's hammer. hammer. <laughs> and it actually says on it, Tyrese's hammer. And they had a whole ton of stuff like this for Walking Dead. Um, Which is huge. I understand. Yeah, it was cool. But there were there were so many good female costumes that were just accurate. There was an amazing Cersei costume from uh, um, Game of Thrones. Um, hmm. Just uh, I don't I, I you know they're they're obviously all the sexy witches and stuff too. But if you don't want to go that route, there are a lot more accurate costumes this year. I I found. I, I hope this. I haven't been into a spirit, but I know that was like you know uh, that was my daughter had a problem last year she wanted to go as teenage mutant ninja turtle and she and and i quote i it, but it's so hard to find one for a teen girl that isn't slutty and i was like want to have wow. this conversation with my daughter that's awkward second that it's i'm sorry who would want to find a slutty teenage mutant ninja teenage turtle slutty mutant turtles Where's the ninja? No, no, right. And it isn't there. What was that Venus de Milo? And it, I mean, is there? You know, it's not even that there's a Venus costume either. That's what's getting so patronizing about it. Is like it's not. It's not even slutty Venus de Milo. It's it's slutty Michelangelo, which makes no sense to me whatsoever. <laughs> you know. So anyway, uh, anyway, DC did recant, so they're going to look over their yeah. licensing again. And I, you know, I, but to, to go to the the man's shirt. That's the kind of shirt, the Superman score things. Like I would never wear that, and in fact, if I can say, I think only D bags would. Yes, but exactly, there are a lot of D bags. I there, know there are, unfortunately. And 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 this is the thing. You're right, absolutely. P, the, DC is not in the business to not make money. Right. In fact, uh, you know, I they're going to have a focus group. They're going to have 16 designs up in front of a group of people who are most likely to spend their money on this kind of thing, and they're going to point it whatever design it is and that's the one they're going to make yeah yeah it's not, they didn't say they didn't say hey you know what's one of these is most aggregating to women no that's because it's not being sold at abercrombie and fitch no no so uh you know the, the, it, it's uh yeah it once again a, a a a controversy where i'm like okay you know the other thing is vote with your dollars or yeah. or or not which is i mean people have again this is the thing those people speech. should spend 15 minutes on hot to- hot topic and just have an argument about that we go to on the flip side of not of the controversy but uh, you know the issue being that they're feeling pe- that women are being patronized on the on the flip side marvel doing a fantastic job creatively uh with uh female creators and that nicole perlman who is the uh, part of the writers program for the Marvel Cinematic Universe that really dusted off Guardians of the Galaxy as a as a property and made it interesting. I would love someday to get a chance to see what she did, what what her draft of it looked like to see how much was really how much mm. made it through. Yeah. You know, was it just beats? Was it dialogue? I, you know, I, I don't know. And I'm saying that strictly as I've read a few interviews. And, of course, they're like. So she did the first draft? She did the first script. draft. And then when they hired James Gunn and they said, will you, you know, make it, you know, James Gunnify it or Gunnize it, you know. Yeah. And, and when it was originally announced, I didn't know that they really hadn't mentioned her in the initial announcements of James Gunn, you know. And then suddenly this summer before Comic-Con. That it was suddenly there's this Nicole Perlman and and James Gunn and so I know she was down there at Comic Con and I put in a request to interview her and I never really heard back, um, but because I I mean I have a feeling that it was one of those things where like they reached out to, to a site like Fanboy Planet and suddenly, 
you know, CNN wanted to talk to Nicole Perlman. Yeah. <laughs> so, hello, who's FBP? We we try hard. Um, anyway, uh, so she's going to write a, a Gamora solo series. So, because hmm. she has an affinity, obviously, for them, and, and it's time, absolutely, with things like Captain Marvel, Ms. Marvel, which apparently did just get pulled back from the brink of, of cancellation. Really? Because Marvel realized, oops, um, we've got a really good book here, and and it's only growing. Our sales just not. I think it was one of those things. The sales dipped a little bit, but I think the trade paperback coming, the orders were very high. And and the other thing is, remember that Ms. Marvel apparently has done much better in digital, because a lot of oh. uh, you know a lot of people are, are buying it on their iPads or on, on their computers. Interesting. So um, that's, that's that's one of the few where they've done that statistic instead of was doing. That. It's confusing though, because you've got Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. Right, who is Carol Danvers, who was originally Ms. Marvel, but the new Ms. Marvel is the teenage... Kamala Khan. Yeah. Or Kamala Khan. I don't know how to pronounce her first name, but Khan is her last name, K-H-A-N. With an entirely different power set. Yes, which is fine. Yeah. Because reality, we can say all these things because we're sitting here in our... Uh, well, Nate, let's go from, you know, um, Nate's in his early 20s to uh, <laughs> us in our 70s. And uh, I, know. I had to buy Nate beer. Last I, time. Shh, don't don't, put, don't commit to that. Contributing to the delinquency of a minor. Yeah. Uh-huh. Anyway, you know, we, we're older. We've, we, we've been managed for a long time. But the, but the people that are reading this Ms. Marvel would not be. It's been. A long time since Carol Danvers was Ms. Right, Marvel, right, right, right. you know. So I'm just saying, is people that are reading this book now are not people that are go, oh, we had we had the superhero women right, by Stan right. Lee with Ms. Marvel's origin in it and gone, yes, and good lord, I realize now, boy, what a horrible title that was. The superhero um, women, origin of Marvel Comics, son of Marvel, son of Marvel Comics, bring on the bad guys and the superhero women. Hmm. hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so, uh, <laughs> there we go. Ms. Marvel's going well, so they're going to add Gamora to it. And then a, a rumor is that this weekend, because of the success of, I've seen this at Boom Studios, Lumberjanes, which is like th- the big sleeper hit of uh, of the year. Like, suddenly, that's that's one of those, like, up there with Saga and East of, East of West, um, that uh, is, like, stores are like, wait, wait a minute, these, we can't keep this in stock. Uh, that Noelle Stevenson, who came in as a co-writer on that book, is uh, the rumor is she's going to be an, uh, announced as a Marvel writer this weekend. Yeah. So, um, there's but no title assigned to her yet. Yeah. We, I'm sure there is a title assigned. We don't know what it is, mm-hmm. but they're, they're going to announce a, a, a few female creators. But I, I realize the Lumberjanes connection, which uh, I've read, is kind of fun. It feels very web comic to me. I've never seen that one. I, You've I never seen, seen it, it on the shelf or anything. Oh well, um, look around. <laughs> yeah, I'll. Okay. I'll, I'll See it's probably can, in L. Uh, it's probably under L. Yes, <laughs> yes. I I will see if I can pull a couple of PDFs from Boom and and send them over so you can take, cool. take a look at it. It's very web comic-y. It's very you know. It's like a is it for fun kind of thing. Girls at summer camp who are fighting monsters in the woods and at the lumberjanes instead of lumberjacks. Okay. And it's like if Buffy had been a Girl Scout. Uh, that's a really. It's not a bad explanation of it, but. That doesn't do it justice, but again, it, it does have that feel of you know the art style is very loose and limber, like like a web comic. So, okay. um, and apparently, young female fans that are eating this book up. I will read that book. Yeah. So, speaking of, then here's the one. Are they doing it right? Did anybody buy Thor? I bought it. I haven't read it because I'm behind on my 
Uh, what I, does it matter? It's a whole new Thor. I know, but I wonder. I'm just like a, I'm. I'm a serial completist. I have to go all the way through a storyline. <laughs> so that said completist. Yeah. This would be an awkward thing, but at least Nate was on the uh, far away to tell tell yeah. people my story. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't read the. Uh, it actually the last issue of Thor, uh, the Thor God of Thunder. Well, you haven't uh, finished book. Original Sin either, I so finished, I, I I want to read both of those before I before I yeah. get to this one. So, did you read it, Nate? No, I had not read regular Thor, which is exactly why I passed it up. Because I was going to pick it up, and then I thought the real the the reality is, and it has nothing to do with Thor being a woman. I haven't really read Thor in so long that it just. Well, I've been reading it. I've been reading it. Well, I, I was reading it. It was one of the ones I had to drop, so oh, I wasn't okay. going to pick up this new one I will after having dropped next, it before. By next week, so we can, okay. we can talk about it, and then it won't be so spoilerific. But I don't think there's any spoilers in the first book. Of no, no, I don't think so. And my, I, you know, And my other fear was that it was going to be how Nate and I first met, um, <laughs> that it was going to be another Red Hulk situation, yeah. and <laughs> that I just didn't want to commit 15 issues to find out the That's identity identity of a character that I wasn't really going to care that much about. I can wait for someone to just spoil it for me and tell me who, and actually Steve Simonetti at Elusive Comics and Games did have a theory and, and, and he had a very sound reason why in the story itself. It's like, well, this is who it is. This is why it is. It's blah, blah, blah. And I, I said, okay, thanks. Then I really have no need to buy this. <laughs> thanks for talking me out of buying your book. <laughs> well done. No, I already I, I spent a ridiculous amount of money anyway. But It's you been know. a big week. The last two weeks have been huge. Yeah, yeah. I spent and more than I wanted to. Aren't kids supposed to be back in school? Aren't they supposed to come back Well, this brings up, you know, and then, um, I want to, we can switch over to DC, is that, um, you know, the next arc in Batman that Scott Snyder uh, and Greg Capullo were doing, um, DC announced that they were going to, that they raised were raising the price to four ninety nine for this three issue art because it was thirty pages. Wow. Well, they announced it. They hadn't told Scott Snyder, uh-huh. so Scott Snyder tweeted out today and said, um, "I'm having a conversation with DC about it," <laughs> and it seems very productive. So it may drop down because apparently Scott Snyder and I think even with Capullo. He is launching a new book from Image that is also thirty pages of story with for a bunch of for two ninety nine for two ninety nine, and so he's like, "Come on, Batman sells much better than that." Yeah, you can afford to do it. So, again, I, I'm loving the guy as a writer, but now as basically a human being and a comics fan, Scott Snyder, I want to if if you won't let us interview you, um, I still want at to least s- let us praise you from afar. Let me buy you a drink at the next convention we're at because. <laughs> Dude, has he said no to an interview? Well, I thought you tweeted out to him and tried to get an interview. Oh well, people don't read their t- tweets. Uh, okay, we'll see. Um, I, I, we'll see what we can set up. But uh, anyway, uh, maybe if what we'll see what happens with WonderCon. And but regardless, it is it is truly absurd. Image Expo, huh? You might go to that if he's got a oh, book. Oh yeah, but when's Image Expo? And you know how well they treated us at Comic Con. It, it's truly absurd the the pricing because. You look at the image books; they don't have advertising the way that, that no, the, I know. the DC books do. They don't have anywhere near the sales. The paper is often superior to what you find in the DC books. More pages and a buck less. But you know what? I, I I'll make some defense of DC. Go ahead. Image does not have the overhead that DC does. They're si- they simply don't. Now, well, they also don't have the billion dollar company owning them 
Right, but that billion-dollar company, you know, I mean, <laughs> that billion-dollar company allows its subsidiaries to just fight and scrabble. And I mean, I think that's one of the arguments to jump ahead to movies just a little bit is why the DC movie seems like such a mess versus why the Marvel movies aren't. Is right. Because Warner Brothers has always seen DC as this little development arm and that they don't know their own characters as well as the studio does. And, and, and you've got companies like IDW and, and, I mean, you've got like productions like The Walking Dead, right? Right. But that's Image. That's not IDW. I mean, that's image. I mean, I was going back to Image. The idea that they can they can come out with these movie and they media tie-ins. Okay, but I would also uh, back off. That's not, not the way that works either. Okay. Um, Image really doesn't have anything to do with The Walking Dead. That was Robert Kirkman individually. Okay. But because the, the but one of the strengths of, the, of Image part for of the creators. Because the creator owns. It's right? absolutely creator-owned. And, and that benefits Image. And that's the difference. But that's not any. But but it does benefit. It, it people does. are buying the book because does, they see the but TV I'm saying, series. But I'm saying it's a different. It's a completely right. different structure. No, I understand. Eric, uh, whoever it is is, Eric Stevenson structure. can't step in to uh, no and, and and be any less <laughs> any less impotent than Dan DiDio yeah. in arguing about Man and of that's Steel. Why the movie, and that's kill. why these things get made. That's why the the TV production can go on ahead because they can't step in because. It's going back to the creator, well, and, and okay. it's a symbiotic relationship. It just isn't one where Warner Brothers sucks every penny of profit out of the... Well, and the difference, and the other difference is at Marvel, they've got their brain trust of, of comics writers who are allowed to advise directly. They tried to create Jeff Johns on the DC side, but I don't think that Jeff Johns... I don't know, and I, I always have to put this out as a warning. This is my hypothesis. This yeah. is just observation. I don't think that Jeff is... As powerful Not in the Warner guy. Brothers structure, he. But the thing is, he was. He was. He was Richard Donner's assistant. The whole reason he got started writing comics was because Donner came in, you know, because DC Warner Brothers respected Richard Donner for the Superman movies sure. and so forth. So he does. He do, did understand. He does understand Hollywood. I understand, he's, he's not being treated with the respect by Warner Brothers that Kevin Feige is, for example, well, I shouldn't use Feige as an example because Feige isn't a comic book guy. He was just a guy who came to to a comic book studio and went, I get it. And he allowed the people mm-hmm. that did get it, that got it even better t- than him to enlighten him, and he's and he's fine. But Jeff Johns is not in the same position of power that Kevin Feige is, even though he probably even has more enthusiasm for DC properties, you know, because otherwise we wouldn't have had a problem with time after time. You know, James Brolin playing uh josh brolin not james brolin uh josh brolin playing thanos is great and all and every time it talks about it it's like i've been interested in comic movies for a long time like they conveniently leave off that he was jonah hex right like our like our collective memories as fans is that bad that thank you for reminding me. not only did jonah hex suck but it was only like four or five years ago and What's what's so bad about that? And we're just going to pretend it he never happened. He could have been an awesome Jonah Hex. Absolutely. If he had had a decent script that hadn't been focused on Megan Fox. Oh, I don't even blame Megan Fox for that. I blame the script. Yeah, that script is terrible. Yeah. And they started with a terrible script by by two guys that Neville Dean and Taylor who are where are they now? They yeah. had, you know, they they were really hot for a minute and then they wrote everything in the same tone. But and when you look at the industry today and you see all these independents, you see even even studios like Boom and and IDW and Image and 
and they're coming out with really good books, and it seems like they come out with a new, a really good book every week or so. And it's hard to Damn turn them. some of these down. <laughs> it's it's really I've, I've had to say, yeah, that looks awesome, and if it lasts six issues, I will definitely buy that trade. Well, that's but what I, I can't buy the. I can't buy that, the. Edits. That's what I've become with Image. Is like I will wait for the trades now for a lot of great series. Yeah, one I know they'll survive, but also because then and then I can read it in a shot. And you know that's. I, but where do you think? I mean, is, they can't. That's where you have it backwards. You I should understand be that. I understand. waiting for the trade with Marvel and DC, and buying the image individual but issues. But it's really hard to to the trades in Marvel and DC don't make any sense when there are all these crossovers and stuff, and you end up with a book that. And Marvel and DC also charge about twenty five dollars for their trades. Most of them are more expensive than what Image. Yeah, now IDW is not cheap either. They tend to be about twenty bucks for a six issue, but but Image at least has a right with the first trade is going to be that's ten bucks. Ten bucks, right? And I next one's I not going to be take, that much more. It's like sixteen or yeah. 18. And Boom has kept it down pretty well too, about fourteen, fifteen dollars. Yeah, which reminds me, I need to find the next Deathmatch trade. But um, but do you think the growth in the number of titles? I don't think Marvel's hurting. I think no. that I think that a lot of the people who are buying these new ones are are not buying DC stuff. No, the reality is sales are up. It's yeah. like six or seven percent this year. It's, there are more I'm, stores I than there that. were, um, and that's and digital is a small part of that. But it is it's it's hard copies in stores. They're doing better, but uh, Marvel isn't doing as well either. What is happening exactly? Like I said at Boom Studios. Uh, girls in particular young ladies young women are buying lumberjanes they're buying adventure time uh they're buying uh what's the the bravest hero bravest warriors from there um they're buying saga they're buying east is west they're buying uh you know sex criminals image and boom and to some extent idw because idw still got a lot weighing on license titles but anyway, it's a very diverse readership, a diverse crowd, and and I think that can also be attributed to the rise of web comics. That that this is a group. Uh, there's a whole next generation of readers that came in with very very independent creators online, and they're following. They want to they want to have a taste of that in their in the hard copy books they're buying, and a little bit of manga influence too, I suspect. But. Um, Still, it's it, it's it's very interesting to see that. Whereas, uh, you know, I'm going to go over uh, and and say this week, you know, DC tried to re- tries to revive the same old thing, and I and I was thinking about this. So, you might want to put it in a what's in the bag. Yeah, let's keep it, let's, let's, let's keep let's, that one for okay. what's in the bag. So let's get to Nate. What's in the bag? What's in the bag? We should explain that one again. That's going to be baby's first words. Jeez. She's going to say, Dada, what's in the bag? <laughs> that would be awesome. And Tiffany, oh, well, somehow it'll be, uh, Tiffany will blame me. I know that, but still. It's <laughs> yeah. That's what happens. Anyway, Nate, what's in your bag? Well, I will start off by saying I only purchased three comic books this week. Just enough. One of them was from last week. So. Go ahead. Item number one in my bag, shockingly enough, 
Walking Dead. This is Walking Dead number 132. There are listeners who just said, Jinx, owe me a Coke. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so. yes. uh, have you read we, it yet? I read it, yes. I've read all three. All three of my books have been read. Yay. So Walking Dead, don't spoil Walking anything. Dead, how far are you, Rick? I'm still around issue 100. Oh, jeez Louise. I'm a couple of trades behind right now. You'll forget everything I said by the time you even get to where I'm at. I don't even know what happens with uh, the battle with, uh, what's his name, Batboy. Negan. Negan. Someone got eaten. That's all I know. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, in this issue, so there was a cliffhanger two issues ago that gets settled in this issue. And uh, it's funny to read the letters because, I mean, people overreact to things, as we know, especially comic book fans. Can we use this opportunity to talk about the spinoff show? No, because it's coming back. We'll come back around, yes. We're going to come back to that? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I'm just trying not to get spoiled. I wake up in the middle of the night. No, I I won't spoil it. I type out an itinerary to be good. Okay. Even with character descriptions. Yeah. (laughs) The uh, the letters based oh, on the cliffhanger. I slave over a hot computer. Are so far off because people jump to conclusions, thinking, "Oh, Kirkman, you idiot! You've screwed up the entire story." Like, like he's gonna say, "Oh, I've been writing this for 130 some odd issues. I'm just gonna go ahead and screw everything up now." So he introduced the aliens finally. Exactly. And they're, and they're the reason. Yes. It's all Plan 9 from outer space. Exactly. There's a big Bela Lugosi looking guy. That would be the dentist. Ugh. Footnote this podcast because that was a very historically accurate joke. Yes. Shall I go next? Yes. Go ahead. So my uh, book would be Captain America number 25. Who is the new Captain America? Because we don't watch the Colbert Report. The funny thing is, if you did watch the Colbert Report and you watched um, and you read issue 24, it ends with uh, this incredible fight with uh, Zola, who's now come back out of Dimension Z and is uh, trying to get Jet, his daughter, back on his side. Uh, Jet, in the meantime, has fallen somewhat smitten by uh, Sam Wilson. Uh, perhaps you don't recall the controversy we talked about on the podcast when Sam Wilson slept with Jet. Yeah. And, uh, they That's right. And everybody said she was 12 fired. years old. Yeah. Because comics fans can't do the math. Because they don't remember that five years ago there was Jonah Hex movie. Right. So anyway, <laughs> um, at the end of issue 24, Sam flies up into the sky with a bomb that's all set to take out New York City. Worst cliffhanger ever <laughs> given given we know he's coming back to be captain america given that before comic-con they announced <laughs> that he was going to be like right and it's, it's and yet and yet i will say there were still people this week on facebook going what the falcon became captain america <laughs> so so see as i'm talking about with bubbles man we're i have bubbles. to forget People forget. I have to do a semi-dramatic reading from this. The movie this. Jonah Hex happened, people. So there's a there's a lovely picture of, of uh, Iron Man flying down with Sam Wilson's body, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm, limp mm-hmm. in his arms, still smol- smoldering from the bomb blast. 
Smoldering from the bombast? He was he was clutching the bomb. Smoldering from your bombast, bombast. is what the problem Bombastic is. Bombastic smoldering. Anyway, so there's like this semi-eulogy that, that each one of them is talking about what a great man Sam Wilson was. And, and Steve ends up saying everything he did was for somebody else. And then you turn the page, and this little weak word balloon comes up from the bottom going, yeah, I mean, that dude had it all. Looks, charm, that certain genesequa that made the lo- ladies love him and then it's sam man he even had the brains to ask tony stark to whip him up a pair of vibranium wings right after getting his can kick cooked by gungor which i can't remember the, what the reference is and that was the kind of forethought that led the great falcon's wings absorbing the most of the blast and saving all of new york city and this is the part where I'm going, I was I went back to check to see if this wasn't actually written by Acker and Blacker yeah. at this point. Because you get another word balloon that comes in, not to interrupt, and then you see it's Tony Stark. But it sounds like the real Tony, the real, the, it sounds like Tony Stark's the real hero here. I mean, what with the creation of vibranium wings and everything. So, is this Rick Remender still, right? It is, uh, it is, yes, it is still Rick Remender. And this this has silly a, Rick. Acker and Blacker are writing Thunderbolts. It has it has three or four really good jokes in this in this uh, this issue that that entirely reminded me of Acker and Blacker's uh, comedy, the thrilling adventure hour. For anybody who doesn't recognize it, but Captain America or the new the Thunderbolts. And there's also a splash page. Oh, there's a splash page where where Captain America comes uh, the, have, everyone gets gathered at the old Avengers mansion to see yeah, and I've then you have the panel. reveal of this panel yeah. and it says you guys all knew this was me didn't you literally there's literally no drama left in this reveal <laughs> and yet there still was but I'd say that's going to be a hell of a great action figure oh yeah because when I look at it when I look at a character redesign like that it's like will I be tempted to buy the toy and the answer it's is the, it's the best parts of the movie costume and, and Sam's movie costume. And no offense, I'm probably not going to be ta- actually buy it, but uh, but every, but because I just have no place to put action figures, uh, I'm having an unfortunate bobblehead pop vinyl temptation. Uh, started with with Disney. Dude. Disney did a, a first one is free thing. Yeah, uh, the he's first slapping the inside of his arm. Yeah, folks. they gave me a Star Lord. So um, they gave you a Star Lord. From the Disney Movie Club, like I could use my points. I was like, I'll get a Star Lord bobblehead, and yeah. I went, Well, then I got to get Groot, then I got to get Rocket, and then I see even Seven Eleven has the bloody Olaf from Frozen, and I love Olaf. Yeah, yeah. I need, to, I have need a place it's for a it. Slippery slope. I need to, I, I need to. Like, I did Rocket and Groot. I've been done. I'm done. You say that. I did. But then there's Disney Infinity 2.0. That's an entirely different different addiction. You need that, right? So anyway, the next book I'm going to put up is actually DC doing something right. In the Bat Universe, um, I talk about female creators. Becky Cloonan, uh, co-writing with uh, with a writer I don't know, Brendan Fletcher, uh, Gotham Academy. So this is a book along alongside the the revamp of Batgirl, which has become you know at, at least at least uh, people seem to like the redesign of her costume. Yeah, this is a title 
that I think is just going to be fun. I'm going to surreptitiously leave this on the nightstand by my daughter's bed in her room. There you go. To, I mean, actually, my daughter loves reading comics. It, it almost looks like Adventures in Babysitting on the front cover. Well, this is actually, it was both very Harry Potter-esque with two female leads. They're, yeah. they're not magic. It's just like in the, there's a mystery at Gotham Academy, which Bruce Wayne is still supporting. And they're saying that's the private school. Sorry, uh, Nate, that, you know, Paul Dini and Kevin Smith created. This is the private school that he actually went to for a little while, and so he supports it. But it's very – not only is it very Harry Potter, but the fascinating thing is they snuck in the revival of – okay, I'm going to have to ask you a quiz here. Like a very obscure yet very, very, very famous Batman supporting character. Okay. From the TV show, although she actually did appear in the comics. From which TV show? She, Batman? From the Batman 66. From She predates the TV show, and she lasted past the TV show. Her last appearance was 1975. Until now. I have no idea. In every episode of the TV show. Every the episode. Ant. Aunt Harriet. Oh, jeez. Aunt Harriet is a teacher at Gotham Academy. <laughs> so, wow. I love that. It's just a brief little appearance, but it's just like, oh, and she oh looks just like from the TV show. Oh, my so, God. Um, but it's really a good story. It was a fun, great character um, and interesting. Very, it, it definitely felt like high school. You know, the cover reminds me so much of the, the Disney, baby, uh, you know, of the of the Disney cover, of the, at least of the Disney uh, titles that have come out recently. Yeah, yeah. And Carl Kershaw, who is an artist I love, he's got this fantastic, uh, oh, this fantastic web comic about um, about a Sasquatch. Uh, oh, you've mentioned this, this one before a long yeah. time ago. But um, and I, the title is, is is escaping me, and I'm sorry. Somebody can yell it at their um, iPod. Uh, but uh, but it's great art. It's fun. It's just what a great book. What a great book. So I'm giving uh, a high recommendation to Gotham Academy. Nate, what was your second? The Amazing Christopher something is the name of the uh, of the web comic, but I can't. Anyway, so go uh, go Nate. Your next book. My second book was Batman 66 meets the Green Hornet. Yay. Number five. Yeah. Abominable Charles Christopher. Charles Christopher. That's it. The Abominable Charles Christopher. Fantastic Carl Kircher site. Anyway, go ahead. I assume both of you also purchased this book. I did. Which one? Uh, Batman Batman 66 meets the Green Hornet. Hornet. I did buy that one. The cover is not the normal thick cardstock that it has been. No. Huh. It's a regular, flimsy DC cover. It's oh. it's almost that they've almost reversed it. The inside pages are often thicker than the covers on some of the. Books. I don't know. Uh, I don't know how sales have been. I hope they've been good because I I, I love the book. Mm. It's awesome, and it's still awesome. Yeah. Uh, and it feels just like the TV show, which is awesome. So and awesome. I would recommend this book to anyone that asked. Excellent. And even people that didn't ask, I would still recommend it. Right. I just walk up to people on the street and say, hey, you should read this book. You should. You should. All right. Uh, next up for Rick. Guardians 3000, number one, which is, of course, the the Guardians in the uh, in 3000, uh, another thousand or so years ahead of us. 
and it starts. It's kind of an interesting story. I don't want to spoil. This is this is kind of an interesting um, thing they've got going on here. Um, what I did want to talk about was the art, which is just absolutely amazing. I, w- I love the way they're drawing Charlie X and portraying oh, yeah. him as being. He's not only the strongest, but he's also the fastest because his muscles just let him sure. propel himself along. And Martin X, uh, with his powers, are you know of being the fire and the heat. They got uh, Starhawk in there as both the female and ma- male right, right. Starhawk characters because he changes every now and then from one to the other with no reason why. And uh, Yondu, which... Power uh, teeth. They, they show uh, quite a bit of stuff with the way he uses the arrows and stuff that was never, um, never really done in the original uh, book. I mean, the original book was just like one issue, and then they had a number of crossovers mm-hmm. after that. Um, For those who have not, uh, were, you know, who came to Guardians uh, Guardians of the Galaxy because of, of the movie, movie uh, Yondu is very different in the comics than he is in the film, and the film is modern day. Actually, the film is very a very different Yondu than the one that's, yeah. that, well, yes, but... Than the original. Look, Jonah Hex was five <laughs> years ago, all right? I've Rick, I know. You're the one who keeps bringing Jonah Hex I know, up. because I want to make you hurt. I love the fact that in this book that they're they're they've got the supreme intelligence still hanging around, but he looks like he's all senile because he's been he's the face around of Bo. forever. I mean, the he face is of the Kree. face, of, and they've got the immortal gladiator from the Imperial, the Praetor of the Shi'ar. Is he immortal or is, is it? They call I, him the immortal gladiator. Okay, because I thought that they had established the Shi'ar that these that these characters that their names were titles. Yeah. That it was not necessarily like, uh, so. If Gladiator got killed, someone else would be made to look like the first perhaps, one. But he looks a little older. His his uh, okay. mohawk is gray. Uh, they have King Peter of the. Uh, Why are you bending your? your I'm not rolling it. Oh my god! Uh, it's uh, basically it's. Uh, uh, now I know where my son gets it. King, King, <laughs> King Peter, who is who is a Star Lord character. Yes, I, I, I so see that. Um, and they it's it's for. A book that is set so far in the future, they're making a lot of nice references and not in a pandering, oh, this is so silly that we've switched this around way. Still respecting the original stuff. So I'm looking forward to this. I, I, original, I think the original Guardians of the Galaxy, or, or I should say the original, the Valentino re- revival in the 80s yes. did so well. Yes. And I mean, the, the idea that they get Captain America's shield and Vance right. Astro is... Something I've always loved about it. That concept of those little artifacts in a way. Um, all right, so I'm, I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to go with Bucky Barnes, The Winter Soldier, number one. Yeah. Did, unless, Nate, was this your other one? No. Okay. Um, good, because it would have been a waste of your money. Ooh. <laughs> Sharp Wonderful. There. I love the, con- I mean, I, I warmed to it. It, it. it spins directly out of Original Sin. I was okay with the concept. Um, this is a book in which the art is being done completely to impress you with isn't this artist good and um i'm not reminding me of bill sinkowitz's sinkevich sinkevich yeah um i i he phonetically spells it out at, at uh comic con so okay. I've, I've carefully practiced in case one day i get the courage to speak to him um I just remember when no he, i totally agree with that but bill sinkevich was a good storyteller this artist i'm sorry and he maybe have been guided poorly um, because there is obviously great skill here, but his storytelling 
Marco Rudy is the artist. Alice Cott is the writer. I can't tell. There's a, I can't tell what's going on. Who's speaking? What's going on? This is worse than Buffy the Vampire Slayer wow. in terms of, uh, 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 of kind of like reveals. You mean the comic? The comic, yeah. yeah. Uh, the the reveals here, um, and it's a complex story. But it's like I think it's trying to do like the Hickman thing and follow along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, in this kind of layout. But you don't know what the hell's going on in the first place. There's nothing to anchor, and every damn page has this kind of like, ooh, isn't this a cool layout? And it doesn't serve the story. Yeah. It's not serving the story at all. And um, so there's... there's That'll be one to read digitally, I think, because then you'll at least read the word balloons in the, and then the right order. Um, yeah, I mean, like, there's a twist ending that I'm like, I couldn't tell you what actually, how that actually happened. That's unfortunate, because the last miniseries I thought was really good. And this new role is interesting uh-huh. so and it's like i said it spins out of original sin and i don't want to ruin it for you but um but you know it has this cover with him being splintered and it's got all his other identities and blah 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 mm-hmm. and every page looks like this you know every what that page looks is like shattered you look at that look at if you can divorce yourself from from the image that's being fractured it almost looks like the cobra logo from gi joe oh my god okay one other problem with it okay go ahead nate what's your third book my third book is Futures in Booster Gold. Ah, that's, that's from, last from last week. week. Yeah, I haven't from read last it yet, week. though. But excellent, go. Uh, the I thought it was good. <laughs> oh, <wow>. Okay, good. <laughs> okay, I'm good. Glad that the art is inconsistent because they use a bunch of different artists on it. I liked the Jurgens Rapman pages the best. Mm-hmm. They'll be the guys that are doing the ongoing series, so that's fine. Somebody guess it's one of those things where he moves through time, and every time he's in a different time, it's a different artist. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he's being thrown through time to different things and doesn't know why. But it's a one shot. I thought it was going to be a short mini series. No, they're all no. all the lenticular ones. All, Did the, you? all the futures end yeah. are are one, one shots, shots, which is going to lead to. Uh, as we, uh, it's finally been confirmed, the Blood Moon, uh, Brainiac is going to is, is appeared at the end of the, I think it's the new issue of Superman. It says we be ready for the Blood Moon. So it's that's funny because Brainiac was the the villain in Doomed. That's why because he's going to thing. Superman. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But the Doomed storyline didn't carry on into Superman. It's but it did. Okay. So. Yeah. Okay. One of the super books. Uh, maybe it's Superman, Batman. I just saw that it showed up and said there's this panel. And Bleeding Cool has been saying, we've got the name of this next crossover. It's the Blood Moon. Blood Moon. And then this is confirmed. He says, yeah, this is going to be ready for the Blood Moon. So I don't know what that means. I'm still hoping. Actually, because this will tie into my my next book so okay. go ahead uh, but we'll come back to booster goals so mine is really kind of commentary because i've got in my hand fantastic uh for annual annual which is uh, i actually haven't read this one but i've read all the books up to up to this one which is uh it's this this run of the fantastic four has been all about the destruction of the family and it's asked some really good questions which, by the way is also on the theme of the fox reboot yeah yeah well, we'll get to that <laughs> yes. later um, I think this is better, probably better done well, the than destruction the of my interest. Right. Okay, go ahead. Um, because this has kind of stayed interesting. It started with Johnny Storm losing his powers, yeah, it, and then the city decided to sue the Fantastic Four for all the irresponsible things Reed Richards has done. And, and in fact, 
all the people, all the Which members of the Fantastic Four. Sort and, of makes sense. And the people they've hurt and stuff. So, and it was really kind of one of those situations where you kind of go, you just want someone to stand up in the courtroom and go, but your honor, we're in a comic book. <laughs> That's our defense. By the way, do you recall when Galactus was going to eat the planet? Yeah. Uh, no, no, the, <laughs> quite fairly, the, the prosecution and defense do bring up those those situations. And they do say we really are indebted to the Fantastic Force for saving the world so much but they have it's been irresponsible for them to have a portal to the negative zone in the heart of new york city because what starts us off is an invasion from I, yeah from the negative I'm, zone. I'm i'm gonna say something right here is that uh, now we've both been in new york city and we've yes. looked for that portal i wanted to find it so bad and we could not just as i've uh yeah. i was just mentioning this weekend it's as far com- as i can tell it's well protected just as uh, i was mentioning at convolution this weekend at the comics to film panel uh, i said like marvel ruined my image of new york city like hell's kitchen's pretty bright and sunny and clean and good food and good food <laughs> that's exactly right so it's the one part of the city that doesn't run in perpendicular ang- <laughs> you know, square square angles and stuff but. so anyway um but uh, this storyline, I know you've you've had this theory, and I imagine other people had that this storyline is actually an alternate reality, yes. uh, because uh, they're all in for all for the first time. I mean, Johnny Storm was in red for a while, I think, but they're all in red and black uniforms, right. not blue. Um, and but it's really been kind of heart wrenching because uh, child productive ser- child protective, protective services, services took all the. F- future foundation away from sue storm and she's just wrecked by it and the and it's gone off to the uh, one of the one of the areas where they had the avengers mm-hmm. young ones youngings young ones uh young avengers younglings, that's i was looking <laughs> yeah. for younglings um training and uh they're all being uh shepherded by jim hammond the yeah. original human torch um uh, over but, an all new invaders and the uh, and the uh the thing is is upset and and has been imprisoned but because of his crimes which were quite egregious actually a lot of a lot of uh collateral damage well i read that far and i thought james robinson was right there was like these things where it's just like huh there were some really i mean in those early issues but your honor we are in a conflict like like you can't find the negative sun portal you want an ambush bug to show up and say by the way (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> You're all in three Dead, colors. Deadpool can do it because Deadpool knows. Deadpool could do it too. Although if Ambush Bug showed up, wouldn't there that'd be, be awesome? That'd be an awesome crossover. Deadpool and Ambush Bug. It'll never happen. Oh man. Anyway, um, so my book, uh, actually, I, I want to tout. I haven't read it. Is uh, Anthony Del Cole and Connor McCreary who created Kill Shakespeare? I looked at that one. I uh, have created for Dynamite Sherlock Holmes versus Harry Houdini. I'll talk about it next week, or I'll. I want to know whether I need it. to go scramble and buy that one. I mean, because they, I was because it's certainly fence. it's certainly one of those weird crossover titles that just go. Why, yes, I think I'll take a little taste of that. Um, and the art's really cool. Did you taste it before you bought um, it? No, I did oh. not. I did not. Uh, even though they they actually did send me a link to read it because uh, we were one of the people that first covered them and kill Shakespeare. kill Shakespeare and they were very you know and they've been very very kind and uh, but uh, no I thought this one was serving the audience more because it's another big event Green Lantern and the new gods in Godhead um, which, Holy looked, Godhead. which looked a little bit to me like a combination of Hellraiser and yeah. uh, and the the cube in it's like the, in one of those the cubes you put wife. your rings in when you want the self winding rings well, they go in because, there because because they are the, the rings are going in 
this is actually going to a mother box um, because and uh, Green Lantern Hal Jordan's looking very scared. Yes, um, he should be because he clearly read uh, what was going on in here. Um, no, actually, it plays right out of that last crossover that we all dropped Green Lantern before we read. Yeah, so um, very crucial. So does this look like one that you're gonna? Oh no! This would be the last. With? This would be the last issue. The last I buy issue. Of this. Buy. Uh, and, and my and my problem is, and what it is is that uh, since Darkseid is quite handily being used in Future's End and Earth Two, and he's very busy over there, the villain of this piece is essentially High Father. Yay! Which is like they don't get it at all. I, I thought about thinking about it again. Is remember is that when Jack Kirby created the Fourth World, it's a concept. It's a vibe. And I and I've said this from time to time, and I'm going to remain somewhat um, probably controversial for saying it is the new gods should just stay of a of a time. Yeah. Because every attempt you they've made to revive, look, Kirby ended the story. Yeah. He did end the story. It's over. I know that I liked Light Ray as a concept. I liked uh, Forager was actually probably my favorite mm-hmm. of the, mm-hmm. uh, because it was most like Bug. I was a Mr. Miracle fan. And I love Mr. Miracle. Well, he, Mr. Miracle can be separate, I, yeah. you know, because he was. I think that was why I liked him. Yeah. Because his storyline was and clean. And you can, and you can, and, and when he was like, when they had that solo series. And then there was a Jimmy Olsen guy too. He was good. I wonder whatever happened to him. Uh, but but Mr. Miracle had that that series in the 80s where he and Big Barda tried to live in, in suburbia during the Justice League International days. That was a good series. It was, it was fun. It was. it was a great concept. But when you're taking the new gods and just over and over repeating, Orion is the hunter, Orion is the right. violent one, right, right. and hi, Father, and now we have this new reality. But it does tie in with what Nate was saying about, about, um, about Booster Gold in that what it does establish is that all of the lanterns have caught the new gods' attention because they've burst through the dimensions. And it very specifically says when the old gods died, the multiverse is created. So all those multiple Earths are, are there. And, really? And so, and I, and which we'd suspect it's the same dark side fighting on Earth 2 that was fighting on Earth 1. That that Apocalypse, Apocalypse and then... Uh, now they say the uh, the new Genesis is actually an island floating above the ruins of Genesis, right? And uh, so, whereas so, it was pastoral Genesis, so they're the, in their they're in the center of reality essentially, and they depending on how they leave, they can go to any parallel Earth they want to, but they've noticed that the green that the that the not the Green Lanterns, all the lanterns have basically split the uh, the spectrum. And managed to break through and catch the attention because there's a new, I'm trying to phrase it correctly, there's a new old god on the source wall. And Metron can communicate with him. Oh. And it's somebody, and it's probably someone the from... The source wall was this enigmatic end to the galaxy where where, where all people the, had tried, the Prometheans originally had tried to break through and they were imprisoned in well, the structure in of the this, wall. Well, they say it's the, it's the old gods are okay. imprisoned on this. But you're right, the Prometheans... Which had sort of been implied by Kirby were the old ones, maybe, yeah, yeah. but uh, well, but never specific because he knew when to leave things vague. Yeah, you know, we're living in a time where no, let's just explain everything yeah, because yeah. because that'll make it a better story. No, it won't. Grant Morrison's right, but anyway, um, so Isaiah notices Isaiah being High Father, the leader of the new go- of the good new gods, but he's not a good he's not a good guy. He's like he doesn't care about 
life. He's not. He wants the life equation because Darkseid is searching for the anti-life equation, and he believes that all the different rings in the spectrum, when combined, will, will create white and create the white the life equation. So basically, the new gods are. So going is he to basically just slaughtering yes, lanterns to get the rings? Essentially. Um, not all of it. He just gets one of each. So you see like, uh, and apparently, and again, it was like, oh, I get it. You, Jeff Johns for his occasional faults. Uh, I still think his green lantern and there was a magnificent run. He brought it all to a close. And then what did DC do? Essentially the next thing they did was undo all the hard work he'd done. And uh, Dan Jurgens and Jeff Johns must get together late at night and say, yeah, I, I know how it was. Cause Dan <laughs> Jurgens did a lot of stuff for the nineties in DC and they, and did all that but this has you know so discovered that saint walker who was a really cool character blue lantern um has no hope as a result of whatever that last crossover was and so power so he's given up his ring and uh mogo uh dies again and i didn't know then the last crossover kyle died again because you got to kill him except no he's the white lantern you know i mean maybe he is who knows i'm sorry that might have been a spoiler for anybody who cared and but the problem really was like this isn't the new gods i knew so don't why are we doing it right you know so that's so it's the not the new gods we knew and it's the green lanterns that have been twisted around too much we don't recognize them anymore right the only thing that i was found interesting is what in the superman doomed storyline yeah. There was a bit with the Red Lanterns, and Kara L had, had been a Red had Lantern, Lantern for a while, which was, I found an interesting twist, but I, not enough to make me go look Although, for although overall, I don't like that that's what they've done to Kara. Yeah. You know, that, that she's... I, this team. Well, this character did have a lot of anger in her. But I didn't like that in the first place. I didn't like that that either, but it made sense for the way they had done this character. That's fine. Just like making Guy Gardner a Red Lantern made sense. Yeah, yeah. But it's still... Except I don't like... But that's what they did to these characters. Right. So, yeah. Anyway, okay. So let's move on to movies because there's plenty like to movies. plenty to plenty to rave about, um, and I mean that in a in a ranting and raving way. Because you know what? I almost calmed down after talking about Godhead. Let's talk about the Fantastic Four movie adaptation, which is so under the radar. They finished filming. No one knows what? anything. They have really? finished filming. Wow! And as the big commenter is like, this is the weirdest campaign ever like like fox is gonna just like it's i think june 16th 2015 is just like it's like they're doing it on a you're bet. gonna go to the movies to see something else and then you're gonna see fantastic four um and, and uh <laughs> <laughs> surprise um adam sandler in the fantastic no four there's <laughs> that would be better uh miles teller who's playing reed richards gave an interview here and i in vulture uh, in, in the the New York Times magazine Vulture, um, and his quote says, "You know, um, the difference between between this new reboot directed by Josh Trank and the previous two films that Fox did, uh, Tiles, T- Teller tells us, it's all those actors were a lot older. Their characters were in different places. The tone of this film is completely different. We don't have Michael Chiklis in a big styrofoam thing." And I think that a, a more grounded approach is what people are into. X-Men First Class is doing that. Um, I call Just, shenanigans, yeah. Miles Teller. I call shenanigans. Um, you're dealing with these characters, but you're making them real people and how they exist day to day. People wanted it to be taken more seriously than the kind of Dick Tracy kitschy, overly comic book world. To which, again, I call shenanigans, because clearly 
you saw a different X-Men first class than the rest of the world saw. Yeah. And by the way, we do like the Dick Tracy kitschy overly comic book world because that's what made Fantastic Four a popular title in the first place. Even though it was real, it was bringing a level of realism, and then they fought Galactus, okay? So, uh, or they fought a big papier-mâché monster. Um, so, no, it's just, yeah, it's done. We don't know anything about it. They're just giving interviews where they say, like, Michael B. Jordan says, well, they don't really have superpowers. They're more like people who are deformed and live and learn to live with their deformities. Oh, like, God. everything, they, every That's time so- an actor speaks from the movie, it's like, oh, Lord, maybe Josh Trank gets it. But his so actors they're all deformed now? Well, I guess if you stretch, that's deformity. And if you can turn invisible, that's deformity. I Maybe rec- he is a mole planted by Marvel Studios to so the rights will revert <laughs> after yeah. this bomb. No, this, this feels like a movie that they had to make to, to maintain the rights. I, and I think that's what they did. And, and I think, and I think It's like they're holding the property they, hostage. They shot it in Atlanta. We'll keep sending you pieces of this movie. I don't know if they movie. shot it in New Orleans or Atlanta, but... They they spent dozens of dollars. Clearly, um, they bought a Marvel Select action figure for uh, the thing, and they moved him. Uh, yeah, they put him on a string <laughs> and a fishing pole, and they just throw him. It's clobbering time. Um, you know, this this is the simplest movie to get right, and they continue to fail. What is in one word? What is the Fantastic Four about? Exactly, and none of them get it. Well, no, no, I take that. I I disagree. I you think, think the second one got it? I think that the first one had moments, and then unfortunately, the director who was not bad, Tim Story, I think, was the director of the of the two. Mm-hmm. Um, he was not strong enough at that point to over let's uh, say to overpower studio executives who said they knew better. Yeah. And that includes, unfortunately, Ambia. I'm including the studio executives and the group of people who don't know how to do this right. story. But I think Tim Story did have an idea. Yeah. And he did try. Okay. And because there's one moment, there's that montage, there's a montage of Johnny and Johnny pulling practical jokes on Ben where I went, it's like watching the first half of Howard the Duck where you go, oh yeah, somebody involved in this production read the comics and understands the tone. Right. And they, and they did that. And there were moments, and... And I still stand by, I know, I'm very much in the minority. It came up again at Convolution this weekend. I like those two movies because those two movies are appropriate for children. And, and, they're, and they're fun. They're not deep. They're just fun. Uh, because, but look, let's face it. If you're going to say Jessica Alba walks out and she's a world-class geneticist, even though Jessica Alba in real life is a very her smart, name is Christmas Jones is a very smart uh, businesswoman, uh, yeah. and I and I think she's a decent, uh, she's a good actress. But it was sort of like the. By the way, Miles Teller, she was younger than Kate Mara playing. Uh, you know, which they also revealed this week is that uh, Susan Storm is the adopted sister of Johnny Storm, which then is like again you by making that casting you have to suddenly make another element to the story instead of like they're just brother and sister which we knew was going to happen right. they had to address the racial the ethnic differences and it's like <laughs> how could this be hard how it's, how could it's, this be it's hard? not hard it's just not hard it's just, they should have gone back to and I still still say this it, uh, that oh, what's the name of the the director Peyton Reed the guy who did Down with Love. 
he was trying to develop it before they before they brought Tim Story in, where it was set in the '60s. Because look, you're not going to tie it in with any other sure. characters, any of the other franchises. So let, that's fine. They were setting it in the '60s, and they were going to deal with what is it like to that be, would have been fun to be the Beatles of the superhero. That would world. have been totally fun, and that would have been totally fun. And so I go with that's why it's great that Peyton Reed is now directing, developing the fifth Beatle, the graphic novel mm-hmm. for Dark Horse into an independent film because he gets that. But that if that sensibility had gone on Fantastic Four, I would have loved that. And that's the thing is like Fox, you already said. You're developing the Fantastic Four franchise, and you're not going to tie it into the X-Men. Then the one thing you could do with the X-Men is what X-Men First Class did was X-Men First Class had that James Bond feel from the mid-60s. That's why right. First Class suddenly revitalized the interest in that, in, in that franchise. Yep. So you actually did do it right. Oh, by letting a creator, by letting a director actually bring a vision or the right director because Josh Trank I still have not seen Chronicle may be a very good director and I don't want to dismiss that because he's directing a Star Wars film too but he's not the right guy for this project just like you didn't just because Frank Miller with Robert Rodriguez did Sin City Chronicle has a lot of good things going for it what I'm saying is it doesn't just because a person has talent in one thing Robert, uh, you know, Frank Miller co-directs Sin City with Robert Rodriguez, and maybe A Dame to Kill for was good. I don't know. I didn't get. To, I didn't see it, but he was wrong for the spirit. And long before that movie came out, I said Frank Miller is not the guy for the spirit. Right. You know, and it turned out I was right. Yes. So, not not that I get any gold stars for that, but it's just like it's just just because someone's good at one kind of movie, and they might be good at another kind of movie, but you just can't. Yeah, find the tone, which is what Marvel has done so well within their own studios yes. of finding the writers and the directors Definitely. that have an affinity for that particular and property. The original yeah. source. So, you you inhaled and exhaled, Nate. Is there something else you want to say about it? I was going to say that Chronicle. I remember when it first came out, people commented, "Oh, they could make a superhero movie like this." Yeah, and it's like the studio said to Josh Trank, make this movie exactly like Chronicle because everybody said, oh, this could be a superhero movie. Yeah. it's Well, you don't take the Fantastic Four and... and not make them fantastic. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, I have an aneurysm I call Reed Richards now. Um, but <laughs> a, a sequel that I do kind of want to see, supposedly Sony has greenlit or is at least developing a script again for and a director for Zombieland 2. So... So what do you hope happens in that? I don't know. Because it to me it was really a perfect film. It's like, I think it, it, I think it was an absolutely perfect film. I don't want to see those characters again. I want to see a whole new set of characters in that well, same then, kind of Well then let's do that. Yeah. I mean, let's do that. Because I don't think that you're gonna see Woody Harrelson. Come I think back he'd probably it. come back for it. I then think he should be the only one. I I, I like to think that he and the kid and the girls took off and you know Michael Sarah. Found a bunch it is not Michael Sarah. It's not Sarah. Michael Sarah. It's just a, no, uh, it's not Michael Sarah. <laughs> it's Zuckerberg. Uh, it's Lex Luthor. Yeah, that's uh, what I said. That <laughs> that they that, that they they found a Twinkie factory somewhere and just settled down. Oh, you know? That's where they are. Yeah, but I'd like to see. I'd like to see a Jesse Eisenberg. There yeah, we go. that's it. I'd like to see them Emma in Stone. a different part of the country dealing with other stuff. Yeah, I'd like to the see the same sensibilities. Though. Yeah. 
Uh, and speaking of – oh, and, and why The Last Man is new, no longer New Line. The rights are about to re- revert back to Brian K. Vaughn and Pia Guerra. Uh, so it means it's in play again. I, this is one of those movies, again, I don't understand why it's so hard to get right. Because well, I'll tell you, I'll let you in on a secret. Yes. The people with the power, I'm doing air quotes right now, in Hollywood are morons. You're trying to get a job with them, though, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, with, with uh, Why the Last Man, it's such an opportunity to have a ton, a, a, a metric ton of strong female characters. In a movie, and and maybe that, and, and once interesting, again, I, I have crazy a, I know, interesting. I know, and I have, I have a feeling that people are looking at it, going, again, despite the constant proving that women can carry films, should carry films, yeah, and uh, you know, Hollywood still has this thing, thinking that no, they're not gonna, nobody's gonna be interested. I'm like, are well, you they're kidding? looking at it and saying, oh, a bunch of women, sucker well, punch, that movie that sucked. The, I did not realize that a movie with the title The Last Man. Only had one man in it, and then a bunch of women. Well, and a monkey. Who can say no to that? Yeah. Um, but you know, mm-hmm. there's a crazy. You know, everybody's raving about. Um, it, it only has a, has a tie in uh, tangentially because of Ben Affleck being Batman, which I really love. Did you see him on Daily Show this week? No, I miss him. <laughs> they came, they come out giving each other crap, and then John Stewart says, "So next, you got Batman v Superman, and of course, Batman versus Superman, and." and Superman just creams you. And he's like, I'm not a lot. Spoiler. <laughs> so he goes up and you've got to watch the video because, uh, John Stewart's impersonation of Batman trying to fight Superman with smoke bombs <laughs> <laughs> is hilarious. But, um, Ben Affleck's in gone girl up this week. So, uh, I, I started reading the book because everybody's talking about how great one, this film adaptation is. And I'm going to say, here's another one where the, where, there is a character in Gone Girl that is uh, that in the book is black and is a great, well-realized, interesting character. And I was thinking, reading this, and I went, I think I've seen a commercial where that character is there, and that character's not black. And, I, and it really started to bother me. Like, there was a chance to give, in a what seems to be otherwise ridiculously white cast, a chance for some ethnic diversity, and they made everybody white. When actually wow. one of the points in the book, although David Fincher as director probably has a different theme he's trying to go for, but one of the, the points was, here's, you know, this is in Missouri, and, you know, and it's suddenly it's a whitewashed film, and nobody's talking about that. And I'm thinking, that's that's actually really troublesome to me. Even though I like the actor they put in the character, Patrick Fugit, um, who was in Almost Famous as a kid. Uh, you know, is like a, a good actor. I'm happy to see him in a movie, but uh, when I realized, no, he shouldn't be. So, this is the thing. Everybody has to put their spin. Everybody has to change. When look, there's a reason people embraced stuff in the first place. And why don't you trust that kind of thing? Um, so, anyway, that's really a lame little rant, rant on my part. But you know, we'll see. Another rant that's going on this week, of course, is that Netflix and IMAX announced that Crouching Tiger Two. The Green Legend is coming. I'm going to Crouch and Tiger Hidden Dragon 2. The Green Legend is coming. And one, I've got to say, that was one of those movies that, boy, perfect movie. I really didn't need a, a sequel to that either. But, okay, people are excited about it. That's fine. That's fine. But the controversy, of course, is that it's Netflix. And so what they'd announced was that 
is going to play in IMAX theaters next summer or whatever, two years from now. And uh, and Netflix is going to put it a good. It's going to be an uh, IMAX same day, same day on Netflix. Well, the thing that IMAX forgot about was that most of their screens are licensed to other theater chains. And one by one this week, the theater chain said, thanks, but no thanks. Slow down there, Sonny Jim. (laughs) We're, uh, you know, yeah, AMC, Edwards, Cinemark all said, pass. You'd like to show it on an IMAX screen? Go ahead. The Hackworth Dome at the the Tech Tech Museum in San Jose. Um, Which, by the way, fine to watch scientific films. But um, that's not where I want to go see my IMAX films. You know, so um, plus there's only two rows in that theater that are that are of any good. Yeah, any good. no, I, this was say I don't really like the the curved uh, IMAX domes. I do like you go to you know uh, the AMC <laughs> in San Francisco, yeah, or uh, the one in, I think it's in Edwards in. Um, it's actually one out of the Eastridge. No, that's a fake IMAX. Is it fake? Is it digital? Yeah, all the it's AMCs fake are Max. just the digital okay. IMAXs. But there's one in Santa Clarita, which I was pleasantly thrilled to see as a real IMAX uh, screen when I took my kids to see, it, see Guardians of the Galaxy there uh, where where uh, Nate saw Guardians of the Galaxy. And, That's right. And so, you know, basically where are you going to see this movie? You know, so they're going to have to back away. I think, Great America. I think Do they, they still have an IMAX theater? I have no idea. They, it, Dublin? It was, no, that was... No, I, said, I, was I don't think the Great America was ever actually an IMAX branded theater. It yes, it, it was. Was it? Yes, they never showed anything other than that because at the time all they could do was IMAX was fifteen twenty minutes worth of IMAX film. Right, they showed that one about the, the Titanic. And yeah, they built that in nineteen seventy five. Yeah. It was an IMAX theater. It, okay, it, IMAX the skiing one. IMAX didn't become a co- like a, a a regular entertainment commercial. thing okay, until oh. uh, I want to say that it was Attack of the Clones that was the first one that that. Um, but maybe I know I uh, back when I started Fanboy Planet, I got invited to see the Lion King released that way. Like it, it was seen as most let's let's re-release old movies in the IMAX, and they weren't really even in the IMAX format. That's the other thing is people aren't shooting movies. Most of the movies that you go to see IMAX aren't shot in, for IMAX. The Dark Knight was there was like six sequences in the Dark Knight that were shot for IMAX and real, to really utilize it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they just really just show it big. But, okay, you know, I'll say, go to the IMAX screen and see The Hobbit in 48 FPS and and 3D on IMAX. It's a pretty astounding experience. But, um, yeah, oh, I, it's, I, we used to say, I think Netflix is going to have to back down a little bit if they want this film to exist. Uh, another one, another company that should back down is uh, Lionsgate, which has announced that they're going to have a series of Twilight short films. Uh, coming to Facebook, and if that isn't a stake in the heart of Facebook, I don't know. As you get it, people, that was a vampire reference only because they sparkle. I don't think stakes have anything to do with uh, Stephanie Meyer's uh, vampires. Um, actually, though, I was thinking so about the, the Lionsgate, the story tell, the storytellers, New Twilight. Is that yeah, uh, it, li- the storytellers dash new creative voices of the twilight saga because there was so much creative Creative uh uh but it's backing from the women in film organization which i totally again agree with this is like okay 
um, that they're gonna. It's a great contest to do, to encourage female uh, directors. Uh, that Stephanie Meyer and uh, and Kristen Stewart are going to be among the judges to select these short films. But what it's really saying is that that they're they're, you know, they're only going to be on Facebook. They're going to be from I don't know, probably amateur actors as well. Probably, I, I you know I don't know indie kind of indie things. things. Um, I do think as was, as was going about today, the first two books and the first two movies were to me boring but they made a lot of money i think it was kind of diminishing returns then the third was where to me to from a more i should say masculine perspective the story got somewhat interesting by doing like flashbacks of vampires in the civil war and there's Mm -hmm. a rich universe there and i really upset my daughter when i said so essentially really that (laughs) that vampires in the twilight universe are the x-men because you think about it they become vampires so they're born uh, into the, they're they're non-human, and each one of them has an individual superpower. So yes, it's very specific. So they're the X Men, and uh, so you could. How did she that, take that? Uh, not well, uh, not at the time. But the thing I'd say now is, I kind of feel as as much as I laud truthfully the opportunity to bring a bunch of different uh, new voices into uh, into the entertainment industry. Yeah, I think Twilight's days are done. Quite honestly. I certainly hope it's a so. Prayer I say every night. No, no, no. <laughs> and, and, and I think, I think again, what we're suffering is called PTSD, post twilight stress yes. disorder, and that that what it is is that I was uh, for the last couple of years I've actually asked students like, you know, are does I, I make read? some I make some kind of t- does anyone read I, I make some no, does I, anyone I, read Twilight anymore? I make some kind of Twilight reference and then they kind of stare at me blankly and I go wait a minute. Have you not read Twilight? And they hadn't. Whereas, like five or six years ago, <laughs> you're going to be self, you're be responsible for a resurgence of no, Twilight. No, no, because the better books are there: Hunger Games, oh, yes. Maze Runner, Divergent, Detergent, and uh, all those, all these dystopias, which doesn't necessarily make them better. But I mean, yeah. books that I've I've seen, you know, and my daughter's moved on to as well. But whereas, you know, five six years ago. The only reason I read yeah. Twilight was literally that I, I, I was standing in front of my English class and I said, look, I know that six of you right now have a copy of that book in your locker that you want to run, grab, and loan to me to make me read it. So fine, I will read it. Whoever comes back first is the one who gets the honor. And boom, yep, had six copies of Twilight. You know, and they're like, you, and it's like, and they'd read it five, six times. But yeah. now it's faded away. I don't think people really care. I think Robert Pattinson, what I'm seeing back is is Pattinson sort of like they're going, oh, yeah, he was Cedric Diggory. Because the Harry Potter series still matters to people. I don't yeah. think the Twilight series yeah. does. And that's not, you know, look, they made their money. It, it made Lionsgate's bones. And they're really, for what they are, they're not badly done movies. Um, but I stopped after the third one. I just didn't care. Um, so, you know, I don't know. I just think it's a, it's, it's a good idea too late, but maybe this will revive interest by focusing on characters that are, in, you know, like, you, like I said, you go back into the civil war, that vampire that was made turned in the civil war. Well, we know that worked for five seasons of true blood. So, you know, maybe it would work for twilight to, to put it in different historical yeah. contexts. Yeah. Um, you know, so we shall see. Uh, let's move to television. I'd love to see a story of a girl in Bella's class who totally talks about what an idiot she is. Yeah, she went on to be in Pitch Perfect. Oh, okay. That, that, that's, you know, what's her name? Um, 
Well, the young woman in, in Pitch Perfect who's going to be Cinderella in Into the Woods. Uh, she was that. She was the woman in. Be- she was the girl in Bella's class. Um, but there was there a storyline. There wasn't a storyline told around her. Uh, no, except that you know you got to remember the other thing that was really horrible about those about the book was that at least the first one is that all her classmates were the ones going. She's so pretty. She's so perfect. She's a and Bella's like I'm a klutz. I'm a you know. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. I actually said that with more emotion than Kristen Stewart managed to put in for five films. I'm a klutz. Um, you know. It, yeah, thanks. I'm a klutz. I'm a klutz. I love you. Say it, vampire. I still go back to my my favorite was the Saturday Night Live. Uh, parody of, of that with firelight with taylor swift and they were all frankensteins <laughs> i like no one was noticing they were green with bolts coming out of their necks my anyway. favorite parody is the one where they're walking along in the woods and they're talking about it and then buffy the vampire slayer comes up and stabs him through the heart and says no this is what you do the vampires it's done well on a t-shirt yeah yeah um so which they speaking of that yes all right um so I picked this one up today just to, you know, or rather when I woke up, it had one of us like surfing the web. Um, Fran Kronz, who is the guy we were talking about, he's in that um, Joss Whedon movie that you that uh, I haven't the, seen, The um, Eyes. Uh, Lord of Catan. Oh. Oh, no. Oh, no, but the one Joss Whedon directed, the oh, romantic. Yeah, uh, uh, oh, But anyway, he was on Dollhouse, and he's in Much Ado About Nothing. I never reviewed nothing. that one, did I? You did. Did I? See, I was going to write a review of it. I didn't write a review. No, but it. you talked about it on the podcast. Okay, yeah, I knew that twice. Yeah. So now three times, and we'll, but now we can't remember the name of the, of the movie, so now we can't even remind people where to go. Damn it! Anyway, um, he tweeted, <clears throat> and I quote: "Mockingbird, Robbie Baldwin, Shield, soon." So that tells me, or begs the question: Is Speedball coming to Shield? Would that be awesome or horrible? Or please, God, let it not be penance. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it was the movie was In Your Eyes. In Your Eyes. It's okay. about the two individuals who start to see through each other's eyes, eyes from yes. different parts and of the And Frank country. Kranz, who was yeah. the interesting actor in, in uh, Dollhouse, the scientist who kind of perfected that technology of the mind wiping and mind implant. And he was also in uh, Lord of Catan. Yes, you said that. So, yeah. <laughs> so yes. Anyway, um, so what we're now we're thinking is maybe he'll be on Shield. Uh, so mm. we shall if it's Speedball. So if you have a copy of Speedball Number One, hold on, to hold it. on to it because it may just again. It, <laughs> It'll suddenly odds. blow up. All the uh, prospectors <laughs> are going to be out there. I know. I'm starting. I'm starting a controversy. Uh, yeah. Who's this new guy? He's actually in, like, I think his first appearance is really Amazing Spider-Man Annual 22, I think. Um, Could be. I, I remember somewhere I, I did have it and was like, was Steve uh, Ditko drew he it. He was directly, wasn't he created specifically with the, uh, they were they were going to have a bunch of characters come together and be the new Warriors? Uh, it, they the did. War- they came together and they were the new Warriors. But, I mean, uh, there yeah. were, there were they were created kind of. No, he was, no, he was completely separate. It was a okay. Steve Ditko. Steve Ditko created him. Well, I remember, uh, I remember which that. is why he could be called Speedball, and Ditko had no idea that he'd named him after a uh, drug drugs. slang. Yeah, I know. Which also made no sense because he was the he was Speedball, the masked Marvel, because uh, he had a sub. Uh, he had a he, he had a cat too. Yeah. <laughs> could the cat bounce too? I think so. And that cat's name was Flubber. So it all comes back around. So we shall see. Because, you know, you guys watched S.H.I.E.L.D. this week. Thank you for giving me the opportunity last night to watch it. did watch it. I'm 
Very, very disappointed that after all the hype this summer, Lucy Lawless is only in one episode of yeah. Shield. I, I was I'm I'm kind of like thinking maybe she's not I somehow hope, not. I dead. hope that's true. I, I hope. And right. I said this last night, and my whole family went, "No, she died." I give it up. It's comics. It's yeah. that's not true. It's you know. Yeah. She'll just walk in like Patton Oswalt yeah. uh, and show up again. <laughs> so. I do well, like she's an agent of Shield. She's probably got some LMDs in a closet somewhere. somewhere. I do like what they're doing with Fitz. It is interesting. It's an interesting storytelling method, and I gets, do I do find really odd. And I know this is not on purpose, but the actor who's coming in helping Fitz, the agent who yes. you know this is going to be his hands. Uh, I love the way they did that thing about I I I didn't solve it today. Yes, that was a great like oh fine he's talking his way through, but of course that actor's name is Henry. Simmons, so <laughs> <laughs> so that's the real name, and I'm like awesome, you know. But it was just kind of funny. Uh, so I, I I do like what's going on with Fitz. Um, I find it was be- because my fear was that what you'd have was Fitz being after they said like the brain damage was really was really bad at the end of the season, like like going okay, we're gonna play like a reverse flowers for Algernon thing, right, here. right, right. And instead, this is an interesting take. Where he's kind of a prophet scientist. Yes, that he that he knows he has the answers, and that uh, I, I was reading a review where a comment kind of went that it's interesting that you know the imaginary Simmons basically does guide him to the right answers, and but she's in his head. I know that's what yeah, I said. That's, that's the imaginary. A, but that's Simmons, I mean that's it, that's the beauty of it. I think I actually think that's lost on people that. That because they see somebody there talking to him, that they're not they're not putting it together that that's all mechanisms going on in his head. But I think. But, but has he really actually solved anything with her help? Well, he yes, he solved because he realized uh, she helped w- with the absorbing man, the weapon that he knew he, that he made before that he had made before. But, but other than that, he screwed everything up. Well, he, he just can't he, get to he it. He didn't He's get slower. to the the problem with. Uh, Cloaking because device. the other thing is, I think that the implication at the end of the episode was that he had solved it, because they have more than one plane that has the cloaking device now. Hmm. So he's he was able to copycat with Henry Simmons. I can't remember what that and agent's name is. Even if even if they're if he's going to make progress, I love the fact that he makes slow progress. Yeah, that it wouldn't be like, oh, this episode he's back to fully functional and. That's not Joss Whedon's way. Joss yeah. Whedon has the time to pace and say oh, no, he's got I, a whole season to make his way back up. Yeah, and or uh, multiple agent, seasons. We'll call him Agent Luke Cage. That's <laughs> not his name. Look it up. I'm, so let's. let's okay. go. Uh, Henry Simmons, Derek. Yes. Plays Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Okay. Excellent. Yes. Okay. So you're going into the Walking Dead spinoff. This is going to get Nate all excited. They they announced the characters. I don't think they've actually cast anybody. Um, and I saw if I may if I may turn to social media because remind you that we do have a presence on Facebook, Fanboy Planet. We also have a pl- uh, presence on Twitter. We're at Fanboy Planet. But uh, anyway, um, that. Uh, Dave Tapia uh, forwarded this thing over to Nate and said, like, he was disappointed. And I thought it was a good point that he was actually kind of hoping that they'd, well, I don't know if I'll call it a good point. It was an interesting, it was an interesting idea. He was hoping they'd pick up the characters from the Walking Dead video game, which season two is about to hit uh, stores with the, uh, on a regular disc, Uh, not just the chapter by chapter download uh, online 
um, from Telltale Games. Um, but, uh, no, it looks like it, this is actually dealing with the early days of the outbreak while Rick was still in the coma. Uh, and the characters they've announced are uh, Sean Cabrera, a Latino male in his early 40s. Sean is a good man trying to do right by everyone in his life. Cody Cabrera, Sean's whip-smart and rebellious teenage son known as the angriest kid in town. Nancy Tompkins, a 30-something single mom to two kids. Now, Nancy looks like the girl next door, but there's an edge to her. Nick Tompkins, Nancy's screwed up teenage son. He's too old to stay home, too scared to flee. Ashley Tompkins, Nancy's mostly level-headed teenage daughter. Her ambition is in direct proportion to her older brother's failures. She loves her mom, but it's time to get out of Dodge. And Andrea Chapman, a somewhat wilted flower child, 40-something Andrea, has retreated to the outskirts of the city to recover after a horrible marriage. And a zombie outbreak. Yeah, most of these the the write ups are like they're part of a sitcom or something, not not a zombie outbreak. <laughs> it's, like, it's like especially Nick t- Nancy's screwed up teenage son. He's too old, old to, to stay, stay home. home. Well Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's too scared to flee when well, the zombies come. <laughs> we call that lunch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sean's a good man trying to do rap everyone in his life, and then the zombies come. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, it is interesting to me because I, that I love uh, right off the bat that the two, the first two characters um, that they mention are uh, Latino because it shows how things are getting better. This is almost like this is our, our diversity podcast as close as we get to because we're still three white guys talking about comics. Um, but that um, a few years ago I pitched a project that I shall not name in case somebody does still pick it up because it's in play uh, somewhere where I had a young Latino male and what I was told was really good idea. Change the lead because who's the Latino heartthrob? Who are you going to cast that? You know, they're, they're, they're never going to make breakout a breakout star, which is what, what my argument back and they yeah. said, yeah, that's really, that's really sweet of you. They patted me on the head they gave me a drink of water, and they sent me back to bed while the Grinch stole my Christmas tree. <laughs> so <laughs> it was I mean, Cindy Lou, Lou Who. That's it, Derek Lou Who right here. And uh, so, you know, it's nice to see. And, and, and by the way, you know, that producer who told me that was not saying it to be mean or anything. It was just like, like it was basically like, I can't sell it. I can't it. pitch it. Yeah, I can't pitch it. It's cute that you can, you know, it's a good idea. We can't pitch this. Yeah. So, um so you need to keep your pulse on any kind of Latino breakout stars, and then say this is a movie for this character, right? You know, that's, and that's the but. But now you don't have to. Is what I'm saying is like here's the walking because I think this is the reality now. In the last five years, and probably with at risk of putting Nate to sleep, Doctor Who has proven it that it's the character, it's the concept. That's what people are flocking to. They're not flocking to actors they're making actors popular as a result of being characters they like but what people are following is the characters it's just sort of like you know johnny galecki was probably and kaylee cuoco were the biggest people the biggest the best known out of big bang theory right before when that show started and i'm arguing kaylee cuoco just because she had eight rules simple rules for dating my teenage daughter before 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 big bang theory before john ritter died and so I mean, she had some awareness, but it is it is not. It's Jim Parsons who is the breakout, uh, you know, from yeah. from that show, yeah. and so people love him. 
but are they embracing him as anything other than Sheldon? It'd be interesting to see if he ever gets a movie role. Well, he was in the Muppets. Um, but uh, it'd be I interesting to see if he ever gets a movie. He's role. got something else. He does have something does coming he? up, and he was just in the the Normal Heart uh, on HBO, and apparently really good. But I, I mm. haven't seen it. Um, so I am just seeing that it, that it is changing, and I think what it is is that people and it came up again at Convolution. I'm touting Convolution because I ran into several people this week who like were Bay Area people that was like, "What? Well, there was a convention," and they really would have liked to have gone, which I think yeah. you know. Um, I mean, we had fun. I like it, but I, I but and maybe it's the comic side is just seems woefully underattended. You know, it's like I was only in small panels in small rooms. And my one comment to them as a negative was I thought they they spread themselves too thin on panels. Uh, I, I kept on hearing about, you know, there's so many, so many panels and they got a little fractured. And there were a lot of a lot of panels where the audience was outnumbered by the panelists. Like the Doctor Who panel on yeah. Friday night. So, so the thing is, you you, know, you need to say, okay, we're just going to do instead of five on costuming, you know, we know that down to three or two. You know, you yeah. you, you, you kind of concentrate. Yeah, these things. And, and, and and it's fun. And I, and I, you were there because you were on a panel at the same time. The comics to film one was actually a really fun panel, but mm-hmm. there were like seven of us on the panel, and yeah. there were eight in the audience. They barely outnumbered us. You know, so I, I would agree there was too much to, too much to do. But I'm going to tell it it was a good convention. But what I heard uh, outside was a lot of people would have liked to have gone had no idea. Yeah, it's it's always tough because these these are shoestring things. They don't have a lot of money to advertise, so it's a lot of word of mouth, a lot of Facebook stuff. Well, you know what? It's a challenge for us next year. Yeah, to make sure that people are aware. Yep, and to put a little ad up on Fanboy Planet and to get it out there. Um, because I love these little conventions and that's, and that's the thing. But back to this. Nate, you're the, big walking, you're the biggest Walking Dead fan, so how do you feel about this casting the, or, or this character list and, and, what, and the concept for the spinoff? Uh, I actually like the concept. I don't want it to be, if it's going to be a spinoff, I don't want it to have anything to do with anything that has come before it. Totally different part of the country kind of thing. I mean, even if it's in the same part of the country... As long as, it, as if it's if it's going to be a spinoff, I want it to have nothing to do with any of the characters we've already met. I would agree with that. So yeah, sure. I know Dave's upset and he wanted it to follow the characters from the games. I don't want it to have anything to do with anything. But yeah. that's what I liked about the game that the game had nothing to do with. Right. It. Right. right. But then if you, if this has something to do with the game, then yeah. it has something to do with the game. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, no, I understand. <laughs> I I get what you're saying. I do. Um, and so that should be that should be interesting. And it would be and it's interesting to see a concept like this where a world it's like it's as if the closest thing I can think of is, is if you did Game of Thrones and then you said on the other side of the earth at the time this is what was happening you know like a, like an overarching concept. Now I was trying to think about where or where, True Blood where the whole thing was just in Japan. No, no, the, I was thinking about like what if they were in Portland where it's. It's more moist and and wet and uh, but not as hot as the south. And so the zombies are a little more energetic, you know. Or there's, you find some reason for the, the environmental variables to change up, and so it's not well, just it's like, another. And survival. I can't remember if this was Dark Horse or I or, or IDW or Boom that published this zombie tales. Like I recalled it being a being there was a Boom anthology of zombies, and then I was reminded by a friend that Dark Horse had had one for a while. But there was one story where they said that the biggest uh, the people that were the greatest zombie hunters that were the most uh, they were working out guilt were the dentists 
Wow. Because of the fluoridation, because the zombies' teeth weren't rotting. So they were still able to t- bite and tear. And, so, the d- <laughs> wow. and so all the dentists became. And it, it was a really funny idea, but I went, yeah, that's really, you know, that was kind of, it was kind of a, wow. a clever idea that they, there's a guild of dentists expiating their guilt for having had good dental health because that's, it's, <laughs> you know, I was like, ah, clever, 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 clever. Um, so, <laughs> and, but speaking of shared universes, actually, so yeah, Nate mentioned uh, off the air, I think that we would talk about Gotham. And so I did watch this week's Gotham, which was creepy, going to one of the creepiest villains ever. And we still haven't met him. But at least it did what I wanted it to do. Uh, I Actually, I missed the first five minutes of Gotham on Monday night. I was at a conference. And, For uh, shame. I know. Well, we were trying to get the TV to work. We were trying to have a big Gotham work watching party with my, with my department. And... Um, so we missed that. So I don't know if there was a heavy hit of like, did anybody besides Catwoman show up? Fish Mooney and Penguin. I mean, you know, I, I'm okay. It with opened it. with the. Didn't it open Nate with the uh, van and the kids? Okay, so it opened with the doll maker. Yeah. So that the doll yeah. maker was the villain, and then I didn't know this because I haven't finished. You well, know, the doll maker's henchman because I don't the think we've actually henchman. seen the doll maker. Yeah, we but, haven't met the doll maker. But yet. here's the thing: they flashed through Gotham City. Now, reminder, Gotham is on Fox. Right. There is a building with a logo for Queen Industries in this week's episode of Gotham. I didn't spot it. Okay, wait. And that's on CW. It gets better. Apparently, the Dollmaker was a villain on season two of Arrow, and he was the son of the original Dollmaker. Okay. So that basically he was carrying on the family business, and so he's the second doll maker in he's in Starling City. But so the, the implication is, if Gotham is taking place in an unspecified past, right? Gotham and Arrow are set in the same universe, which I love. Yeah, because it's sneakily crossing over networks, which shouldn't happen, but it just did, and that makes me happier, almost as happy. As an ambush bug Deadpool crossover. <laughs> Speaking, this is entirely. You just made me flash on this. Did you see the pictures? Are we done with this this, this story? I don't know. I don't I want, mean, I don't want to totally derail. I did enjoy the second episode of Gotham. That's all I really want to say about it. I, I think it's it's developing nicely. I did like uh, particularly like the Bruce Wayne interrogation of Gordon. Uh, not of Gordon. Yeah, of Gordon. Of Gordon. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not burning myself. I'm testing myself. Yeah. I was like, okay, that was the moment that I like. And that's the part about it that I want to see. We've never really seen past that later that night, a curious scene where he's by the bed, you know, praying and saying, and, I w- and his tears, you know, that we've seen since 1939. I've, we've never seen that story. Right. So I didn't mind it as much, especially when <laughs> when Alfred said, should we say about tea time? I really wanted James Gordon to like go, tea time, sure. When's that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was hoping he would say that too. Um, I was very disappointed when he didn't. All right, your uh, why we should be writing for these shows. Your discussion <laughs> of Queen Industries logo showing up in Gotham. Did you see the Batmobile appearing on the side of the Millennium Falcon? Oh, I didn't see. Yeah, I, I wouldn't want that. There's a that model little... of the Batmobile embedded in the side of the Millennium Falcon because J.J. Abrams and Zack Abrams. Snyder are fighting. Yeah. 
because they had uh, Batman versus Superman and, and like stormtroopers tried and they shot uh, the Gotham City Police shot down stormtroopers or something. I you know, so I'm ignoring it. Uh, really, I haven't had time for such shenanigans. <laughs> but it's not the it's not the classic. It's it's the roller Batmobile. Yeah, yeah. It's the it's the new one with the machine gun right. on the top, right? So uh, anyway, so that was fun. Um, did love I. I actually I watched most of the Saturday Night Live with Chris Pratt and didn't like it, but their I just started watching it this afternoon. But their Marvel commercial I was seen, brilliant. I haven't seen that. Yet. Okay, sorry, we got to spoil this a little bit because the, basically the, the premise was, which everybody has said, it's like they go, they go. Marvel took a bunch of misfit heroes that you've never heard of before and made you care about them in Guardians of the Galaxy. So next summer, and they still play. Hooked on a feeling, and Chris Pratt is like the uh, I can't remember what they call it. It's like the 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 keepers of the cosmos, and it was like there's a there's a janitor, and about and it's all just people for the pulled off the streets of New York, <laughs> and Chris Pratt's the mailman going, you know, and they're doing that whole hallway strut, ah, and they just and then and they just do the same scene over and over, same sequence with a bunch of different things, and then they got to like Marvels. Fancy ghosts, and <laughs> so there's guys in sheets with top hats, and it just got stupider and stupider. They go, and you will make millions. <laughs> you know, you will go and see it over and over because we will make you love them. Marvel. <laughs> so it's like it was, it was damn clever as an idea. So um, the rest of the episode was just like, oh and my you know God. that's going to be a cosplay thing. It's at, uh, I will be a fancy ghost. At, I, I mean, I, I'm no, not I was talking about the the. Uh, the cosmic whatever the, the, yeah. the people but I, I know I mean it was funny because I, I, I was not the only one to post on Facebook on Sunday morning I would watch Marvel's Fancy, Fancy Ghosts, Ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean but come on if this is the joke Howard the Duck cannot be far behind we need Marvel's Howard the Duck but let's go to something that by the way I, again I think we'll prove Marvel does movies right DC does television, right? If you call direct-to-video into the animation, we, uh, we've got a trailer out this week for the next direct-to-video animated of film. Atlantis. Uh, is, is it called Justice League Throne of Atlantis or is it just Throne of Atlantis? Because ah, I saw, you know, I, I, I think because the overall idea is there's three a year. One is a Justice League in a continuity. One is a Batman in a continuity. And then one is a whatever they want to do. Like So the last one, the Assault on Arkham, which was Batman Assault on Arkham, which was really a suicide squad. It is indeed Justice League, League Throne of Atlantis. So they want you to know that. Now I'm hoping, however, that secretly still over in Target are these really kid-friendly ones called JLA, like Trapped in Time with the Legion of Superheroes and stuff, uh-huh. that we'll still get those from time to time because that was really fun if you were a kid. Yeah. Um, and if you were perhaps 49 and remember the Super Friends and wished it had been a little bit smarter than it actually was. Uh, this is this is what's going on. But the Throne of Atlantis is coming. Looks really good. Um, looks just as smart as all the other ones they've been doing lately. So, And maybe even a, a, a step up from things like cool. uh, Doom. Cool. Yeah. So, um, and then, uh, yeah, we're looking forward to Throne of Atlantis. The trailer available online. And... I was just going to note is just I forgot to mention tonight on Fox starts. We'll see how it is. Cause I didn't watch Broadchurch, but this is our obligatory Doctor Who reference. David Tennant playing the American version of his yeah. British self in Broadchurch is now in a Fox series called Grace Point, which is the exact same show, but set in California. So I, I thought it was Southern, but either either. But I read it was California. Like so uh, I and, and maybe that's what I where my confusion. I know. I think it's the kind of show that's like. 
Nomoro Bay. You know, some some place just north of San Francisco. Yeah. Uh, just just isolated enough. Just south of San Bernardino. You know, and north Pacific of San Francisco. The south of San Bernardino, north of San Francisco. Yeah. Wow. Um, this is why we can't do road trips. That was <laughs> that was entirely intentional. <laughs> um, probably Pacifica, uh, a delightful little town. Um, so uh, I, I want to see that, but uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see, maybe next week come back and see. If, did you watch Broadchurch? I, no, I haven't. Okay, so I mm. think I think I actually watched the first episode. Um, was it on Netflix or Hulu? Uh, probably Hulu. Okay. Because it was on uh, BBC America. I, I don't have a Hulu Plus, so it was whatever I could watch for okay. free, probably. Okay. Um, we should mention that Colin Farrell has confirmed that he is in season two of True Detective. So, uh, very excited about that. And then let's go to a game thing. Legendary. Speaking of Guardians of the Galaxy and Fancy Ghosts. Yeah. So, Legendary, which is, uh, there are two... Is that the deck-building game? I get confused sometimes. There are two deck-building games, one for DC and one for Marvel, and the the Legendary one is actually a system uh, that has been primarily used for Marvel, but is also was used for uh, the Aliens deck-building game. Right, okay, you mentioned that. And uh, this one, they've just announced, I guess it's coming out this month, uh, a Guardians of the Galaxy version, which should be... I'm, uh, this is this is a perfect system for any of the characters that that basically yeah, they an, introduce the villains. There's and you an have ad to, for it. I'm just looking up. Keep speaking. I'm yeah, sorry. Th- they they introduce uh, the villains that you basically go round robin style to take down, and um, it's kind of a countdown thing. If you can't get them, you can't deal with them in a certain amount of time, you lose. There it is, right there. There we go. Yeah, I knew I knew there was an ad. So it's uh, all new art. It's not art borrowed from the comics. And uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, uh, uh, you know, it's basically, priced game the thing too. is right now too. I go like anything. Guardians of the Galaxy is so fun that I'm like, I'll probably play this legendary. I and I should point out all this fantastic advertising that Marvel gets to do. That's the difference, though, is that Marvel's ads are almost all for Marvel products, but from different branches of the company. Nice agent of uh, the shield, shield ad. ad, you know. Um, it, so and Web Warriors, the uh, the cartoon on Sunday mornings. Oh, we should mark that pattern because it was all over Facebook. Uh, the death of the Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. But, you know, that's another way that things shifted. Like, when I was a kid, you did stuff on Saturday mornings, and it was irritating that it would get in the way. Did we just lose Nate with that? No. Side? Okay, I heard something on, on Rick's phone, but I realized it's not the one connected. So, um, you know, I just think families are so overcommitted. You have two or three kids, and you're on, and and they're all on a soccer team or a baseball team, and and nothing. Not that there's anything wrong with physical exercise, but I mean, I just think that you know most families are busy on Saturday morning. So unless you're a really little kid, you you weren't watching anyway because you weren't home on Saturday morning. And the other thing is, of course, the reality is, please, cartoons are on demand. My son gets up on a Saturday morning. He's if he's with me. We go out and say breakfast and you go on a Netflix or you go on to even just Comcast on demand and you watch whatever, which we were watching on Netflix, by the way, the Turbo Fast cartoon uh, was actually really, really funny. We I started looking forward to episodes of that. But, you know, there's so much stuff on Disney XD. There's so much stuff on Cartoon Network. And, yeah. And, it, you know. And that just wasn't the case. Right. M- yeah. Even, even, I mean, right. it's been the case for the last decade. Right, and we're just everybody's nostalgic for this 
Oh, we liked cartoons on Saturday morning. Free pajamas and cross-legged in front you of the TV. You can still do eating, it. In fact, that's probably what I'll do tomorrow. Them. I, yeah, and and and, but yeah, it's just, yeah. I mean, I I get it as a concept, but that's the one thing we we we're we keep losing track of it. I'm sure that people like in the 19th century were going, were thinking that like our child, some some childhood memory or some passing fad. Whatever it's like, everything does. Well, in the yeah. '60s, they probably lamented the fact, "Oh, we never see a cartoon before a movie anymore." We used to always see a cartoon before a movie and a newsreel. Yeah, and because there's this television thing. Yeah, and uh, you're right. I, you know, and, and 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 well, now we've come to see it a whole scope of uh, Saturday morning cartoons had a good run. We're talking like uh, 1950 something to 2014. Okay. Name me one uh, consistent art form that's lasted that long. You know, now the comic the, books. Okay, you're right. Well, I think the commercial sensibilities have gone away too. And the other thing is that there's still programming for children on Saturday mornings. Yeah. And what what is really the it's dark poop. the dark side of the story that nobody gets is all of the major broadcast networks. When I talk to those that are over the air, so this was the CW that stopped finally stopped showing cartoons. They've all licensed to the same company to create educational programming. Not that that's in itself the sin, but that it's actually one company running the Saturday morning programming for CW, for Fox, for NBC, for CBS, and ABC. You know what? As long as Hub and Cartoon Network stay on the air. Uh, Hub is being taken over by Discovery Channel. Are you serious? You didn't read that? I'm sorry. No. Yeah, Hub has been... Uh, Hasbro's escaping from uh, the Hub, and therefore they say the programming's about to change on that. I don't know how... Well, they uh, are where they're going to escape to, Boomerang? Uh, no, I think they're going to just... Uh, they're going to go back escape to... Escape from television? They're going to uh, continue making Transformers movies... Uh, Josh Trank is on My Little Pony. It's going to be a very, uh, yeah, okay, that, that, that hurt, I know. So, um, <laughs> there goes that plan. Um, to have your child grow up on Hub? Yeah, to grow up on real cartoons like G.I. Joe, Transformers, My Little Pony, Strawberry Shortcake. You can buy those DVDs at a discount right now. Yeah. Oh, that's what I'm going to have to do. Fat Albert? Yep. Yeah, if funny i don't think fat albert's been broadcast for a good 20 no years. i think hub has been showing it has it okay yeah. when was the last time you watched the hub uh yeah no justin okay we're gonna have to bring him in and make him watch children's television for you um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm how sorry. terrible is it I, I have no choice well you know they were running batman 66 but now we're going to get that on dvd so yeah. all will be well yeah, it's, it's okay fine. man it's okay and we should leave on that note of reassurance that there's still plenty of places. All will be well. All will be, thank you, Saint Brett Schneider. Um, oh, that reminds me of that 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 weird amusement park that's going in Utah. <laughs> um, Why does that remind you of that? Because the founder is a Brett Schneider. I know. Ken Brett Schneider. Uh, Ken, Ken Brett Schneider. Sir Ken Brett Schneider. No, he's not. Because in Utah, it's uh, called Evermore, and it's just going to be a a park where you go and live in another world. Almost like the thing is like that Austin land joke. Like the rest of Utah. Shh, don't. Oh, no, you went there. <laughs> okay. It's a good time to say if you've got complaints, uh, <laughs> <laughs> criticism, uh, commentary. You don't, I think 
I think the people of Utah want to revive are, the contest. What's wrong with Rick? I think the people <laughs> of Utah are happy that they live in a different world. I wanted to remind you that we're recording this from California, and to the entire rest of the world, we're the different world. Are we happy? No, we're not at we all. We are happy. We're, we're not we're happy. We are. Well, we were facing reality. We are happy because for us, Isis is a really hot brunette with superpowers. Uh, so she spins around. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> oh, mighty winds that blow on Zephyr winds that blow on high. Lift me now that I might fly. If you've got questions, commentaries, correction to my it's National Poetry Day. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> commentary criticism right into editor at fanboyplanet.com and of course you can find us on iTunes you can find us on Stitcher you can find us at www.fanboyplanet.com we heartily recommend that you support your local business heartily. if there's something that you found interesting on this podcast that you want to purchase but if you can't find it at your local business we have Amazon uh, links to our site so please uh, they give us a little tiny percentage back uh, and uh, if you just like what you're hearing here and you're saying you know I've been listening for free I owe these guys a Next. a pound a coin just flip one our way a loony um yeah go for a pound coin it's worth a little more yeah. than a loony is uh you know you can donate that on the paypal button that's there on the front page of and actually on every page at fanboyplanet.com we shall hopefully entertain you again next week i'm derek mccaw editor-in-chief of fanboyplanet.com i'm dave costa and i'm rick brett snyder reminding you to Use your powers only for good. And thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www. The Great Luke L U K E S K I dot com. The power of brains compels you. Okay, I think we got this down. <laughs> <laughs>
bombastic and apparently she was kicked out in like the first episode so like their 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 figurehead character isn't even on the show wait a minute so utopia uh they're trying to create a uh, perfect society by eliminating people from it yeah that's the only thing you can do in a, in a, in a reality show. You, I, you I have to come down to one person. Like I at him. least thought this series was going to be like that kid one. I, do you remember Kid Nation? I remember hearing about it. I did not watch it. It was actually, it, it was not a horrible show. I thought, and people were like, oh, it's outrageous. And I watched a couple episodes and went, no, I mean, this is the kids are learning independence and they're learning to work together and they're doing all the things. Uh, from what I could tell, they were supposed to set up a society that was self-sustaining. Uh-huh. And they had some right. kind of some kind of old goober, toothless goober, who was like the one the who only knew, one that knows how to knew how to do anything. He's just such a, a goofy looking <laughs> character. But when I was looking at it, going, well, that would be one thing to do. You know, if they can't grow enough food to sustain themselves, then they start losing people. And it's only they only win if they can if they can actually create this utopia. Otherwise, they all lose. And that was the only thing I could think of with, which could work with what they were yeah, trying but in, to but do. But in like one episode, <laughs> it's <laughs> like, ah, oh, crap, the tomatoes haven't ripened. You're what do you out. Mean, <laughs> what do you mean the latrine one shouldn't have been that close to the field? <laughs> we sacrifice one. And yeah. then the crops will right, be, right, uh, right, the harvest will be good this year. children with the corn. <laughs> <laughs> or that South Park I episode. S- I saw one episode because uh, Sharon watches it, so she watched it while she was here. And I guess they take turns being, like, the person in charge. But they all get to vote on what they do. They have a budget. I think the budget was, like, $5,000 for the whole show. And they wasted, like, more than half of it in the first week. On rye whiskey. So, Nate, you ready? Oh, I'm ready. But are you ready, ready? Oh yeah, it says in you C Nate one twenty eight is editing right now. Whenever whenever you point at me, I'll be ready. In three, two, one. Oh listen up, fat boys, it's the fat boy planet. And I'm Rick Brett Snyder reminding you to use your powers, powers only, only for, for good. When we're united, it's strong. I want to predict Nate's rhythm and then see if I can actually <laughs> do it at the same time. But uh, Okay. I actually have to uh, get a move on because I've got a friend I've got to help on his computer. Yep. And I want to go home. Okay. Sleep. All right. Nady. Gentlemen. Nighty. Nighty night. Bye Nighty. for now. Bye-bye. Bye.